Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. I am Danielle and I got news for you. We did not record a new episode this week. Uh, We took it off for New Year for new year for the new year for new years i never know which one but in any case happy new years or new year (laughs) as the case may be um in lieu of an episode of how to survive we are going to give you a little treat which is an episode of another podcast called true crime and cocktails that is hosted by um one of our favorite guests lauren ash and christy oxborough they are hilarious, they're informative, they're interesting. The show is really um, addictive, and we hope you enjoy. And of course, we will be back next week with an all-new episode. And until then, remain calm. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails, Famous Fatalities Edition. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash, and as always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the most S, Christy Oxborough. How you feeling? You know, uh, I, good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm underslept, so yeah. I don't know where I'm at. Um, I also was running late, so I didn't have time to uh, look over my notes, even slightly. So... I don't even really know what we're in for today. Uh, Dear listeners, when Christy Oxborough tells me I was up till five and then I set my alarm for eight, that's when I start to feel troubled. I mean, you've really burnt the midnight oil on this one or the 5 a.m. oil. Well, we can blame my kids or just really one. Um, for, and which sounds terrible because then it's followed by for being born. No, um, his birthday, my middle son had his birthday last week. And then three days later we had a birthday party. And because of COVID last year, we had to cancel his party. So this year we're like, we're going over the top. We're going big. We're going to do a big thing, which involved me spending hours drawing specific decorations that can't be purchased because he likes a specific thing Mm -hmm. and what bless their hearts every year they always save them and they get hung up in their room so they have years worth of birthday decorations (laughs) hung in their room i love just very very sweet they always save them um and it's just so i had to keep stopping and then he wanted cupcakes and then i couldn't find someone to make the ones he wanted because he wanted like a special swirly rainbowy thing so I had to like make them and I haven't baked in over a year. So my brain was like, I don't know if we should do this. So I had to pause a lot more on doing my regular podcast stuff to be able to deal with that. And it's been, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's been a real journey to get here. Listen. So I had to, I had to find my hours somewhere and. Well, yeah. you, you kill the game as always. I mean, that's, oh, well, that's never you haven't heard these be. notes yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm so excited about this episode. I mean, very quickly. I, I mean, we'll 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 chat for a second, but I do have to say, yeah. we're talking about the Glee curse, and yeah. this was your idea, I believe. Um, and I am so excited because. Not that we should ever be excited about true crime, but I also, I mean, we're in, we're, we're, we're we're with friends here, right? Um, Of course. But this is something, I mean, I'm always fascinated by, you know, strings of bad luck, those kinds of things, unexplained phenomenon, perhaps Richard Ramirez is a demon who could astral project (laughs) himself before his death, stuff like that. So I am very excited to see um, all the things you dug up, because I know that we, we obviously know about um, some of the big broad stroke details but I know that there's lots of other things under the surface well that was the whole thing I was like I don't know I I, someone had we had multiple people fairly early on uh they wanted us to talk about Naya Rivera right and I was like well we maybe could but it's not gonna be enough to do an entire episode especially not (laughs) where we're at yeah on episode length anymore and so then I was like, oh, maybe Glee. And then I was like, is there enough gonna, for the three? And then I started looking and I was like, oh, there's not three, there's four. And then I was like, wait, there's six. Oh my God, there's 13. And it just like, there are so many things because if you really go through that cast and crew list and then branch out from there to search everybody, you find some stuff. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. So we've got rides. I'm going to take you on a tangent that I think specifically you are going to love uh, because I it's the only thing I genuinely remember writing. <laughs> and it was because you'll understand why. We spoke about it the other day. And yeah. uh, so I, it'll be relevant in the moment. But it's there is something that I love because I, I grew up on TV. Yeah. It was, it was my thing. Like the second you get home from school... Me too. TV is on, and then you're just TV until bedtime. Saturday, forget it. The park, fuck off. You're in front of that TV all day. Like, it's, because there's always stuff. And so I've just always loved it. So then just to, like, look into a TV series that I did briefly watch, so I knew who some of these people were, It it's just... It's giving me life. <laughs> I am so excited. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have to say, I was like, oh, do I have any connection to this? Not that I'm trying to name drop, which I know I begrudgingly do half the time on this show. Um, not really. I've met real name droppers and they're insufferable. But um, the answer is yes, you do. Yeah, I do. Um, I assume we're thinking the same person. Oh, maybe, maybe not. I was going to tell a story about Ryan Murphy. Oh, you uh, were on a game show hosted by Jane Lynch. That's true, too. That's true, too. Jane Lynch, who also, here's a fun fact. Jane Lynch also comes from the Second City. For those who don't know what the Second City is, it is a comedy theater that originated in Chicago. There's also one in Toronto. That's how I got my start. Um, Now, there's touring companies, which kind of are the, uh, you know, that's where you train kind of to make it to the main stage. Now, here's a fun story about Jane Lynch. There's a famous producer who I'll leave nameless because this doesn't necessarily paint them in a good light. Um, but they took Jane Lynch aside when she was in the Torco and said, you're never going to make main stage. So don't, don't bother. Um, which is horrifying because also, yeah. also she's wildly talented and hilarious. 
Um, but uh, Jane Lynch, I've I've heard her talk about that she was like, it was great because then I was just like, well, I'm gonna go make it, and she did. <laughs> so I, I mean, it's a great story in terms of like being vindictive, which is something I relate to. <laughs> something we like, of course. <laughs> yes. It's much like my high school guidance counselor told me I was throwing my life away by going into theater. Of course. And then it's like, that's the greatest motivator you've ever gotten. I was like, now I should also say, in his defense, he was trying to encourage me to go into STEM, which, listen, I had the, gr- I had the math and science grades, so he was doing his job. I get that. I get that. But as soon as he said that, I was like, well, now I'm a dog with a bone. Like, I, now I just want to <laughs> to do this to get yeah. back at you which feels again that's the canadian way though as i've talked about that before on this show canadians we're very kind we're very nice yeah. that is true but part of the reason why we come off as so nice is that we are very passive aggressive so we we like yes. to get one in and i'd never say it to his face but i'll know you know I'll no know. but you you'd send a, a specific email if you knew you'd never see him again Right, but it would definitely be worded in a way that was, like, not calling him out directly, but in a way that would make him feel really bad about himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And to that I say, let kids dream. Let us dream. Well, also, I've also proved him wrong. Legit. Like, yeah, like, come on. Um, Yeah. So anyway, shout out Jane Lynch. Lovely woman. Big animal uh, rescue advocate, which also, of course, is near and dear to me. Um, every time I've, I've been on that show, uh, Celebrity Game Night, I think that's the name of the show. I, there, there's so many of those game shows that have similar names that I'm always worried I'm going to say the wrong one. Yeah. But every time I've gone on, she is just like truly one of the nicest, always remembers you, always wants to chat. Mm. And I know that sounds odd to say, but that doesn't always happen. So it is, I, there's so many people I've met and I've literally said, said to them, I've met you again and again. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, she's, she's the greatest, truly the greatest. And I am so happy that she, again, proved, proved that person wrong and was like, okay, I may not make main stage, but I'll now become like a cultural sensation by getting on Glee and, you know, playing Sue Sylvester, which is amazing. But no, the story I was going to tell very quickly, I heard rumblings a few years ago that they were going to be making a, that Ryan Murphy was going to be doing a Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky Right. Like, uh, you know, like he does all the kind of crime American stories. horror story, whatever. Yeah. Right. Like the OJ one and everything. And I was like, damn it, I could play Monica Lewinsky. Now, I understand that she was very young at the time and I am older, but I was like, I think that if you did my makeup properly and it was lit properly and my hair was done right, I do think I could pull it off because, mm-hmm. listen. The script also spans time, or I was told at the time it spanned time, so it was also like sure. it could have been coming it now. It may have changed since then, so don't quote me. But um, I was just like, I think I could do this. So I, <laughs> this is this is the true psycho I am. So I was going to this event, and I found out that Ryan Murphy was going to be there. So I was like, oh boy. And I knew that I was going to be um, like getting on stage to like present something or do something. So I was like, well, I have to wear a blue dress. (laughs) And I told my friend who was doing my hair, I believe it was my friend Johnny. I told him, I was like, look, I'm trying to just lightly suggest to Ryan Murphy in the crowd that maybe I could play Monica Lewinsky. (laughs) So we did like kind of a reminiscent like Monica Lewinsky do 
And sure. now the dress was also like like a lot of cleavage and stuff like that. So I remember I came out on stage and I made some joke. It was Nico and I, Nico from Superstore. And I made some joke about like someone backstage just told me I look like a um, I look like a drag queen version of Monica Lewinsky, and I've never been more flattered, uh, which I do think would be a huge compliment. Uh, anyway, my publicist, shout out to my dear friend Whitney. Uh, my publicist in the crowd had her eyes locked on Ryan Murphy the whole time because it was like, will he notice? Will he pay attention? And she said, he picked up his glasses off the table, put them on, looked at me for a good beat, and then took them off and put them down. And I was like, well, the good news is we knew right away I wasn't getting an audition, but at least I moved the needle. I, uh, you and your passion, I would not last a day in that business. Not a day. It's, um, it's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, um, listen, it, you, I mean, people handle it in different ways. I think, you know, my whole thing for the most part has been like, you can't think about things for too long. Like, you have to flush them. You just can't fixate. And there's been a sure. few times in my career where I've fixated on something and it's dri- driven me crazy. And it's like, that. those have been the times where I've been like, I should just quit and do something else. Of course, I never do. But usually once a year, I'm good for a true come-to-Jesus moment of like, I should do something else with my life. I never do, sure. obviously. But it pushes you, for sure. It pushes um, you to the brink. <laughs> if you think about doing something else, yeah. not that I'm suggesting, mm-hmm. could you handle an autopsy? <laughs> <laughs> I would want to say yes, but the joke, now I've told this story before, so I'll run through it very quickly, but I've always said my backup career, my dream backup career would be to, to be a veterinary technician. And my mother happened to win a be a veterinary technician experience for a day in a silent auction. This was when I was still living in in Toronto. And I was at a time in my career again where I was like, oh, can I do this forever? Like it it is, it it grinds on you for sure. Sure. And so I went to this be a veterinarian technician for a day experience. And they were like, are you okay with blood? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, are you okay with blood? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, then you're going to assist in some surgeries. And so I witnessed a cat get neutered and then I assisted in a a dog getting like a growth removed. So I actually had to hold the dog's skin taut while they, and I will say this, I am okay with blood and I have never been queasy about stuff like that. And in that moment, I felt a heat start at my feet and travel up my body at the speed of light, like just a wave of heat. And I was like, I'm not okay with this. Like it was not, <laughs> like I was just like, this is not. And then the next thing that happened, and this is awful, especially if you're an animal lover, trigger warning, um, a giant turtle got brought in that unfortunately had hit by, been hit by a car and its shell had broken. And oh. so there's, there's unfortunately nothing you can do in that case but euthanize the turtle because they're in immense pain and you can't save them this is what i was told at the time if i'm incorrect please don't come for me again i w- i experienced a trauma that day so <laughs> i was just going by what i was told but then they were like you know you have to put a needle into its heart but it has that chest plate a turtle 
Yeah. And I watched a very uh, petite female vet take the power of her entire body behind. It was kind of like the scene in Pulp Fiction where John Travolta takes the adrenaline and jabs it in Uma Thurman's sure. heart. Imagine that. But imagine like a five foot one woman using like the entire force of her entire body, like jumping off the ground and and uh, it just didn't work. They tried multiple times and they couldn't, I guess it's very hard to euthanize a turtle. What I learned that day, perhaps other places use gas or something. I don't know if veterinary offices use gas. The point is this, it, then it was lunch and I looked at everyone and I said, I'm supposed to stay for the full day, right? And they said, yes. And I said, I will be leaving now. Good day. And I called my mother and I said, the good news is I have never been more firm in my knowledge that this is not a backup plan for me. I have to be an actor. There is no other option. So to answer mm -hmm, your question mm -hmm. about the autopsies, unfortunately, no. <laughs> if I can't withstand being a vet technician for a day, yeah. I don't think I could cut into a human body. But I no. wish I could because youth of America if you think you can, there is a shortage of medical examiners in this country. Please, just look into, do a Google, okay? We need you. We'll come to your graduation. This is a narrative that we're pushing. So, a true narrative. And then let's but. let's get some, if, if we have to, let's get like a coroner TikTok. They can answer questions in their TikTok videos. Or, I saw a very handsome vet uh, do TikTok videos the other day he has one in particular where i didn't know he was a vet but it was just him and he had a very thick beard and the, it was said something like uh when your girlfriend thinks you look like a lumberjack and so then he like did the towel on the camera pulled it back and he had shaved i literally gasped i was like wow that's what's under there and then i found out he was a vet i was like oh, okay well i guess we're watching these and then to that I say, okay, so you enter to win, you're allowed to be a vet tech for a day. Why would they not just be like, okay, anytime a puppy's coming in for their first visit or their shots, that's what you do. Here's New kitten, get in there. This is what I like about this place. Is that apparently... Nope. They were like, we're going to throw her in the deep end. We're giving you the real... It was like Gangsta's Paradise. Or or what was that movie? That's not the name of the movie. Oh, Dangerous Minds. Wow, Lauren. It was like Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds is my point. I feel like I was sure. thrown in the deep end with like, this is an extreme situation. And sure. figure it out. And um, yeah. I think I, like, when I left at lunch, though, like, their jaws dropped. Like, they were all so shocked that they were like, but you, and I was like, and I was like, honestly, I had the best day. Thank you so much. This is not, like, a negative. I appreciate it so much, but I'm going to go. <laughs> Good for you. Yep. Good for you, because I would have wanted to leave, but I would have forced myself to stay, and I would have hated every second. Yeah, it was uh, extreme. It was extreme. But I do, again, I, I commend them that they were like, this is the stuff that we really deal with. But, I, yeah, I will never unsee the things I saw yeah. that day, and I don't feel yeah. like I saw that much. And so, much like we, of course, salute all our, our healthcare workers, um, especially during the past couple of years uh, with what we've been going through, I also salute the vet, the vet workers, the vet techs, the vet assistants, uh, the veterinarians. Um, you do a lot to help us keep our furry friends healthy, and we appreciate you. 
because yeah. not all of us can do that job. I've um, already mentally cut a trailer or just like a clip of you that like Jimi Hendrix all along the watchtowers playing. You get you you're coming in from the, an angle on a helicopter. You hit the ground. You're in Nam, but it's really <laughs> instead of Mash. It's, uh, you know, for animals. Yep. Yep. I could see it. I can see it. I mean, I'm also, if we can't get Jimi Hendrix, CCR works in a pinch for sure. any sort of Vietnam landscape. You you have that playing in the background where you're like, ah, America, we get it. They're coming. Like that's, we watched a movie the other day and almost the entire soundtrack were CCR songs. I was like, what's? happening it just didn't it was like i don't understand it was like that was the only thing they could think of for like a they were going for a very like vietnam feel and that was like well that's the only music that existed like yeah i feel like uh it's the only music that existed that was available probably to that studio (laughs) it's possible well say it it was uh kong skull island oh because i i needed to see Tom Hiddleston work. Of course. And I don't regret it. Now, have you watched the Loki show? I have not. Because I feel like, do you like him as the Loki? I, I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I like mischief. Do I? <laughs> Apparently. Because I feel I like guess. that would be up your alley is my point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I should look into it. You know what? I'm writing it down. Write it down. Look, I haven't watched it. Spencer watched it. I haven't watched it, but maybe you'd like it. I, I could see it because, I mean, I've gone through, um, I've seen all the Marvel movies, uh, most of them multiple times. Um, I I talk about a Marvel movie very briefly in tonight's notes. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a real hodgepodge. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Well, look, I, I think, don't know if I'm going to say I'm sorry or you're welcome, but we'll see where my confidence level is by the end of this. I think it's all you're welcome, truly. Uh, I think we should also just get into it. Now, before we do, I'm just going to say I'm drinking a white wine. I wasn't going to drink today, but I'm into the yeah. Matua because I had a day and then I was like, what are you trying to prove? Pour a glass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rainbow mm-hmm. Pombe. Yeah. I was just going to I was just going to do water, but then I was like. I'm I'm barely alive. I've also taken to barely. this. This is the biggest cup. I got this uh, when I was in Las Vegas mm-hmm. a million moons ago because we haven't been anywhere in, in years. Um, but I've taken to using this as my water cup now. And for some like reason, it. because it's so big, I never lose it. Because I think normally part of my problem is that I misplace or I put it somewhere or whatever. This this honker. Good luck. Good luck. And losing it's keeping me. you. It's keeping you hydrated. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm really trying. I Look, think you're nailing it. Bless your heart. Well, let's get into it. We're talking, of course, as I've already teased, the Glee curse. Uh, for some backstory, for those of you who aren't familiar, Glee was a musical TV series that followed a fictional show choir made up of a ragtag group of high school students. Since its premiere, several tragedies and scandals have befallen the cast. During the show's fourth season, cast member Corey Monteith died tragically at the age of 31, which made people wonder, 
could Glee be cursed? Since Corey's death, the show has seen the loss of six other members of their own, as well as numerous scandals, arrests, and marital troubles. So buckle up as we deep dive the infamous world of Glee. From legal disputes and misconduct to shocking deaths and sexual transgressions. I got so excited about how you worded this. I'm going to back up because that it's so good. So buckle up as we deep dive the infamous world of Glee. From legal disputes and misconduct to shocking deaths and sexual transgressions, we'll give you all the info that you need so that you can decide once and for all, is there really a Glee curse? Oh! oh, oh. <laughs> I would have liked to have been hired to do that voiceover. You know what I mean? That was nice. <laughs> you are too kind. And I'm going to say this. I, I'm i probably going to end up messing up names and pronunciations. Some of them, I got so scared. I went on YouTube and found uh, YouTube. Uh, what, wait, went for interviews where I could hear someone say their name as they were coming out or whatever. Um, and there was, um, one particular gal that we talk about later, uh, and unfortunately the only clip I could find involved James Corden, and he was just, like, so beyond irritating that, like, he kept saying, like, oh, your name should be pronounced like this. It's better. And then he just kept saying it, and he was like, no, it's better this way. It's better this way. It's your new name now. And she was so uncomfortable, and she was like, no, probably not. And he was just like, oh, well, it's the right way. And it's like, or shut your fucking face and go back to the UK. No, no, the UK don't need him either. Wow. Go to Kong Skull Island. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's where yes. I'm at. That's, that's the thing. She's uh, a little extra spicy. She's... She's a spicy, you know, spicy girl. Oh, Tell her she's... what she likes. I don't know. I'm one glass in. Good luck, everybody. See you on the other side. <laughs> to be fair, in the synopsis, I did say to buckle up. You're right. So take that as your warning right out the gate. Oh, gosh, I wish I looked this over. Heaven help us all. Uh, Glee was an American musical comedy drama TV series that aired on Fox for six seasons from May 19th, 2009 to March 20th, 2015. It focused on the fictional William McKinley High School and its glee club, glee club called New Directions. Throughout the show's 121 episodes, there were 754 musical performances. Ryan Murphy, one of the series' creators, chose the songs for these performances, which he claimed were done to maintain a balance between show tunes and chart hits. A series of Glee albums have been released by Columbia Records with over 12 million albums being sold worldwide. In January 2012, the series became the eighth best-selling digital artist of all time, surpassing 42 million single sales. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see that part coming, but, you know, we're all about learning. Uh, the music has been so popular, in fact, that there were live concert tours featuring the cast, as well as Glee, the 3D concert movie. There's also been an iPad app and karaoke games released for the Wii. Overall, Glee was well-received as it earned a total of 194 award nominations and 78 wins, including back-to-back -back Golden Globes in 2010 and 2011 for Best Television Series Comedy or Musical, and the 2010 SAG Award for Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Comedy Series. 
The series was also nominated for and won numerous People's Choice Awards every year that it was on air from 2010 all the way through to and including 2015. Numerous actors have won awards for their work on the show, including Best Supporting Actor and Actress for series regulars Jane Lynch and Chris Colfer. Outstanding guest performance in a comedy series has gone to series guest stars such as Neil Patrick Harris, Kristen Chenoweth, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Huh. And while Glee grew a large following, it is also associated with a dark side. Do-do-do. An unusual number of tragedies and scandals have plagued the cast, and every time something new happens, conspiracy theorists are more and more convinced that Glee is cursed. Now, I've seen people touch on the idea of the Glee curse before, um, and it usually just involves the death of Mark Salling and Naya Rivera and Corey. I was going to say Monteith. What did I is say? He, I believe it. you did like a Monteith or something. Don't trust me. Okay. Don't ever trust me. Okay. Uh, But uh, you know I refuse to merely scratch the surface, so I looked into the full cast and crew, including guest stars, on the hunt for something juicy. And I ended up finding scandals, controversies, legal troubles, marriage issues, and even more deaths. When I was texting Lauren while researching this episode, I told her if I had to sum it up, I would simply say, it's just death and gossip. (laughs) (laughs) And deep down, maybe that's all we genuinely want to hear about. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to go all over the place. Um, We're going to learn some stuff. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to probably get super sad later because the stuff just gets worse as we go further down. Uh, but before I can truly, like, fully dive into this, I have to start off the top by mentioning Matthew Morrison, who played Spanish teacher and Glee Club director Will Schuster. From what I've read, people hate this guy. I've heard like, that too! Everyone assumes he's done something wrong because he has a vibe. And I think it stems from the fact that his character on Glee really just overstepped and was at times really inappropriate with his students. And it turns out that I couldn't find any lawsuits or legal issues. I did find that Matthew is a tad tone deaf at times. After Mark Salling died, Matthew posted a picture of uh, on Instagram that was a photo of himself between Corey Monteith and Mark. Uh, his caption was a sad emoji between two angel emojis. And Mark uh, had some questionable... Uh, legal problems prior to his death, which we will get into much later. Um, So it just felt like a really odd choice. And then when Naya Rivera went missing, he posted a photo of her with the caption, I'll say a little prayer for you, which is a lyric from a song that she performed on the show. Uh, Again, not the worst by any means. Uh, But then he went on Inside the Actors Studio and he was asked, what would he be? If he wasn't an actor and in complete earnest, no uh, (laughs) laughter, no jokes, no nothing. He just without hesitation. Oh, a gynecologist. What? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No. See a vibe. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be a joke or not, but you can see why people 
feel like something is off about this guy. And apparently in 2013, Matthew ended his engagement with Chriselle Staus, I believe it is, uh, saying the breakup was amicable. He said he felt pressure from society to propose to her after only a year, and then as soon as he proposed, he knew in his heart it wasn't right. So then, soon after, he broke up with her. Uh, however, when Chriselle is asked about this, she said, quote, these are all her words. I didn't know who I was at 25, and I didn't know what I wanted, because actually, if I ended up with the person I was with when I was 25, I would want to kill myself. You can Google that. You were a dick. Sorry. <laughs> so, I don't think it was that amicable, Matthew. Doesn't sound like it, does it? No, no. Uh, so I get why the internet has a dislike for this guy, but sadly, I have nothing legal to report about him. But believe me, dear listeners, I looked harder in that one than anywhere else in this whole thing. Uh, I did, no, I did also look pretty hard into Harry Hamlin because he was a guest star and I just got, I got a vibe. I was like, maybe, nah, he had like a really like petty arrest in the 70s. And other than that, it was who like, didn't? oh, who didn't? <laughs> I, I love when that happens and so it happens I. more and more often than not. Uh, so other gossip that I learned about Glee involves Robin Trockey, uh, who played Jean Sylvester, the older sister to Jane Lynch's character, Sue Sylvester. Robin was one of three actors with Down syndrome that was cast on the show, which is great for representation since Down syndrome hasn't been prevalent in TV since Chris Burke in Life Goes On. Chris played Corky Thatcher on the show from 1989 to 1993. I mean, come on, who didn't watch Life Goes On? Oh. Uh, representation side note. Oh, fabulous. The National Down Syndrome Society said that representation from TV shows helps to generate interest in their website, research, and fundraising. And it said that their website saw a 10% increase in traffic in 2010 after the introduction of a character with Down Syndrome on Glee. That particular character was Becky Jackson, who was played by Lauren Potter. So Robin's character, however, was written off the show after Robin was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Now, I don't know if there were problems and that's what made them decide, um, or if the decision was based solely on the diagnosis. I also don't know if Robin made the choice to specifically leave on her own, but there is a large community of people online who feel that she was coldly fired. Oh. Um, but I could not confirm that either way. I just know that shortly after her diagnosis, she was written off the show. Uh, a science side note. Apparently, Alzheimer's disease is fairly common in people with Down syndrome because the gene is located on chromosome 21, and people with Down syndrome have three copies of the gene as opposed to the usual two. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Oh. And when I say that Robin's character was written off, I mean she was killed off. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Jean was said to have died of pneumonia. Her last episode aired in November 2010, and in May 2011, an episode was released that featured the character's funeral. Beautiful side note. <laughs> On the show... In season four, I may get emotional through this oh, episode. Oh, okay. Sue Sylvester 
adopts a baby who they name Robin after the actress Robin Trockey. Uh, it is said that Jane Lynch took the baby to go meet Robin in person, and Robin said to the baby, quote, I'm your aunt. Oh. So it's like she was doing okay. That's you know, sweet. Again, I don't know if her being let go from the show was nefarious in any way or not. Right. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. Right. Um, the actress did unfortunately die from complications of Alzheimer's mm-hmm. December 14th, 2019. She was 63. Oh. And now that I've depressed everyone, let's try and lift some spirits with some scandals. That's what we like. First up is Leah Michelle, who played the intensely annoying Rachel Berry. Mm-hmm. And I know some people liked her, but her character always rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, so Leah posted a tweet May 29th, 2020, saying, quote, George Floyd did not deserve this. This was not an isolated incident, and it must end. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. And that sentiment did not sit well with Leah's uh, ex-castmate, Samantha Marie Ware, who played Jane Howard. Samantha tweeted that Leah made her first television gig a living hell. Samantha went on to accuse Leah of traumatic microaggressions, including a time when she allegedly told people she would shit in Samantha's wig if she had the chance. Jesus. Samantha also said, uh, quote, it was after I did my first performance. That's when it started. The silent treatment, the stare downs, the looks, the comments under her breath, the weird passive aggressiveness. Uh, She also made claims that Leah threatened to have Samantha fired. As a result of this controversy, on June 2nd, 2020, the company HelloFresh announced that they would no longer be working with Leah Michelle, tweeting, quote, HelloFresh does not condone racism nor discrimination of any kind. We are disheartened and disappointed to learn of the recent claims concerning Leah Michelle. We take this very seriously and have terminated our partnership with Leah Michelle effective immediately. This grocery delivery business first announced that it was teaming up with Leah in January 2020, and Leah had posted about HelloFresh on her Instagram account on May 20th, 2020, before not being able to post about them again. Wow. So Leah did issue a statement uh, saying this incident had prompted her to look at, quote, how my own behavior towards fellow cast members was perceived by them. Which doesn't really sound like an apology or make things better. Um, and then at this point, more and more Glee cast members start coming forward with their own experiences with Leah Michelle. She was referred to as many by uh, by many as hostile and rude to others on set. Naya Rivera once claimed that Leah was unprofessional and that she, quote, started to ignore me and eventually it got to the point where she didn't say a word to me for all of season six. Heather Morris said, quote, was she unpleasant to work with? Very much so. (laughs) Even uh, guest co-star Kate Hudson described Leah as a total diva. So even... Some went as so far as to say that Leah treated them like subhuman. Jante Godlock was part of Glee's ensemble cast, 
alleged that Leah referred to the extras on set as cockroaches. Ooh. Someone who did background on Glee in seasons three and four said that Leah yelled, does anyone have gum? And when they said they did, she looked at them and went, ew, and walked away. Oh, Jesus. I, I can't confirm or deny this, but what does what do these people gain from mentioning this so long after the show? Like, they're not getting anything out of it. Um, another extra referred to Leah as, quote, nothing but a nightmare to me and fellow understudy cast members. You made us feel like we didn't belong there. A person named Marcus claimed that he worked with Leah many times over the years and that he found her to be, quote, abusive, rude, condescending, and at many times downright cruel. It should be noted that Leah Michelle has not openly admitted to anything, so this is, of course, alleged. Mm. But the fact that the bullying behavior comes up time and time again is concerning at best. Yeah. Uh, and if we're going to talk about bullies... We have to mention one of Glee's guest directors, which starts with a guest director side note. Ooh. Looking through the fruit, the full crew list, a few names caught my eye under director, one being none other than Disney's Hercules himself, actor Tate Donovan. Oh. Tate directed two episodes of Glee. But you know who directed 12 episodes of Glee? Actor Eric Stoltz. Really? Who we all know and love from some kind of wonderful mask and pulp fiction. Which brings me to a side note in a side note. Something you may or may not know about Eric Stoltz was that he was originally cast as Marty McFly in Back to the Future. But something that I just learned about that whole deal... Apparently, the writer and director felt there was something missing in Eric's performance. They felt he was a great actor, but he was missing that certain, quote, screwball energy that they were looking for. So they talked to someone at the studio and they said they'd like to replace Eric with Michael J. Fox, who was their first choice for casting all along. Right. Studio agreed. But for some reason, transitioning to a new actor, they needed a few weeks. To be able to do it. Um, I get maybe it's possible. Maybe Michael couldn't get in. Couldn't get in like the next day. So they're like, we need a few weeks before we can uh, do that again. So. Uh, I, the studio, they say, yeah, we're going to go with this. So what was the solution that you would come up with? If you're like, we have a few weeks downtime. Well. Uh, apparently you continue, continue production for a few weeks and don't let Eric know that he's going to be fired in a few weeks. And I know that I know nothing about how movies are made, but isn't that just a real waste of money? Like, well, to keep it filming for multiple weeks to like, and they legit filmed, even though it's like, but you weren't ever going to use that footage. Yes, but what they could have been doing is shooting the reverse so they could still use the reverse potentially which is super shady and like i don't know if they threw away everything when they recast him or not i know that there is lots of footage of eric stoltz that you can find on youtube and stuff yeah it it was only released within the last so many years i think yeah but 
I don't know whether that was what they're... I bet you my gut is telling me, having worked in the industry for a little bit, my my gut is telling me that sure. they probably argued, well, let's just keep going because we can use the reverse and we'll just reshoot Eric's stuff on Michael. But we can still use the other stuff. That's, I would guess. It's mm. horrific, but yeah. I would bet that it was like they thought they would save money that way because they didn't want to take two weeks off. Because if you've boarded out, you know, this is boring, but if you've, you know, got six weeks for a movie, sure. taking two weeks in the middle, you'd have to call, like, insurance days. So, meaning, oh, you pay okay. for insurance when you do a TV show or a movie. So, if, like, your lead actor falls very ill and can't come in, or there's an act of God, or something crazy happens. Sure. But to, to take two weeks off in the middle would be astronomically expensive and would drive your insurance rates up through the roof. So I could see, I'm not defending the choice whatsoever, to be clear. I think it's all shitty, but I could see them being like, well, let's just keep going. We could still use some of it. I could completely see them doing that, which is so awful. It's gross. Um, And I adore Michael J. Fox. And I adore him as Marty. But I'm still going to say... Hashtag justice for Eric Stoltz. Justice for Eric Stoltz. They yes. did him dirty and we all know it. Absolutely. Uh, replacing him is one thing, but then not telling him for weeks. It's just, it feels like such a big waste of his time and his energy. And like, it just, they told no one but him. They knew, like, or they told no one. And then they turned around and took him aside and told him. And then they told all the cast and they were like, all right, well, that's awkward. And then, well, let's go back to day one. It's weird. Um, And speaking of things that I find gross, still on the topic of Glee guest directors is none other than Joss Whedon. Mm. Now, most people are familiar with Joss's work in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly, and The Avengers. And for a while there, Joss had a reputation as a progressive writer and director known for creating strong, complicated female leads. And then 2017 happened. Uh, Joss's ex-wife, Kai Cole, accused him of multiple infidelities throughout their marriage. Kai wrote an essay uh, discussing their divorce after 16 years of marriage. In it, she details a letter that Joss wrote her near the end of their marriage, where he admitted to more than a decade's worth of infidelities. The letter allegedly stated, quote, As a guilty man, I knew the only way to hide was to act as though I were righteous. And, quote, It's not just like I killed you, but that I'd done it subtly over years, that I'd been poisoning you, chipping away at you. I don't like that either. No. Uh, Kai claims that Joss admitted to multiple affairs and a number of inappropriate emotional ones that he had had with actresses, co-workers, fans, and friends. One of his quotes allegedly was, quote, When I was running Buffy, I was surrounded by beautiful, needy, aggressive young women. Ugh. And quote, Suddenly I'm a powerful producer and the world is laid at my feet. Kai said that Joss deceived her for 15 years and that she believed he was one of the good guys. And honestly, I bought it too because I used to adore him because I was obsessed with Firefly. Um, 
Shout out Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk because I can. Yes. Um, and now I'm finding out that Joss describes himself as, quote, woke bay. And to that, I say, grow the fuck up, man. <laughs> you're you're so bald. Stop trying to be woke bay. Like nobody should be woke bay. That's terrible. Uh, so right before the first Wonder Woman movie premiered, a script was leaked. It was apparently written by Joss in 2006 and thankfully was thrown in the trash. And while I haven't personally read it, from what I've heard, it was incredibly sexist. It was also described as gratuitously horny, objectifying, and just very cringy, which is not really what you want for a Wonder Woman movie. No. Uh, at one point in the script, Wonder Woman is described as, quote, to say she's beautiful almost misses the point. She is elemental, as natural and wild as the luminous flora surrounding. Her dark hair waterfalls to her shoulders in soft arcs and curls. Her body is curvaceous, but taut as a drawn bow. She is barefoot. Like, oh. so fucking gross. Uh, another gross one, quote, Then she moves her back leg and turns fluidly, a curve rippling up her body as she folds into a dance that is sensual, ethereal, and wickedly sexy. Again, I can't possibly stress that these are not the words we use to describe Amazon warrior Wonder Woman. Well, it's also not. just like not, it's also somebody who's like overwriting. Like it's like oh, we don't it's... need all that in general. No. Uh, it's also been said that Joss went too far as he put the main focus on the male characters as opposed to the woman who the movie was named for. Ah, uh, Joss was asked a year after the script leaked and said, quote, I don't know which parts people didn't like, but I went and reread the script after I heard there was a backlash. I think it's great. Oh, I'm sure he did. I'm, I'm sure, sure he, did. he did. Now, you you know my Josh Whedon story, right? Do I? Did I ever tell you this? It's possible. Look. Oh, we're in it now. Yeah, we're in it now. I don't, I've never talked about this publicly. I barely talk about this to anybody. Long story short, I was somewhere that he was, and sure. there was a movement to go to another place, like another bar. Yeah. And <laughs> there was a group going, so I was like, great. And then when I got there, the only people who went was he and I. <laughs> right? This is, this is uh -huh. familiar. Uh -huh. Now, anyway, long story short, there's nothing really to report. He was very nice to me, and there was no nothing in, untoward, and it was fine. But it was one yeah. of those things where I was like, "Well, I feel like I'm, I have to spend at least like a half an hour, I guess." <laughs> like it was like, but this is exceptionally odd, you know. It's so rude if you say you're all going somewhere. Everyone go. Everyone go. Everyone go. Come on. Look, as much as I would have liked a little extra, you know, for my notes, I'm happy he didn't try anything. There you go. I'll say that. There, I'll yeah, say me that. too. Me too. Uh, and just when you think that Joss is already just too much. Oh, no. He's just getting started. Oh, there's more. In 2017, Zack Snyder was directing Justice League, but he chose to step back. Uh 
for family problems, I believe it was the death of his daughter. Yes. I could be wrong. Uh, so Avengers director Joss Whedon steps into the project. Uh, the project's nearly finished. Supposed to be a small job. But Whedon comes in, decides we're going to do a ton of reshoots, changing so many things that he ended up getting a co-writing credit at the end of the film. Uh, and the reshoots ended up costing millions of dollars and so many issues as the devilishly handsome Henry Cavill uh, <laughs> had grown a thick mustache for his next role in Mission Impossible Fallout. But when Joss needed Henry for reshoots, the mustache posed a problem, and in the end, the visual effects team for Justice League had to digitally remove Henry's mustache, and to say it was a terrible choice is being very kind. Yeah. Very kind. How do you do something so awful to that face? Just stop it. Wow. <laughs> Just stop it. Oh, God. God, I guess Blanche came too today. Um, I knew she would. She always does. Uh, and then in July 2020, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in Justice League, accused Josh of, quote, gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable behavior towards the cast and crew. Ray also claimed that, quote, race was just one of the issues with the reshoot process. There were massive blowups, threats, coercion, taunting, unsafe work conditions, belittling and gaslighting like you wouldn't believe. Huh. Ray's first supporter was Justice League castmate and all-around dreamboat Jason Momoa, mm. who suggested that a proper investigation needed to be done by Warner Brothers. Jason also claims that a story that Jason would be voicing Frosty the Snowman in a live-action Warner Brothers movie was fake and intentionally dropped the same day that Ray tweeted about Joss in an attempt to drown Ray's Whoa, tweets out. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard mm. that before. Jason said, quote, I just think it's fucked up that people released a fake Frosty announcement without my permission to try to distract from Ray Fisher speaking up about the shitty way we were treated on Justice League reshoots. Serious stuff went down. It needs to be investigated and people need to be held accountable. Even Gal Gadot, uh, admitted to having issues with Joss on set. Gal said, quote, he kind of threatened my career and said if I did something, he would make my career miserable. Oh. And it turns out all she had to do was sing Imagine. <laughs> no, no, we love her. Uh, and Justice League wasn't the only Joss set with issues. Another of Ray Fisher's supporters was Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And in Angel, I suppose. Uh, Charisma tweeted her feelings about Joss with the added hashtag, I stand with Ray Fisher. Charisma alleges that Josh, quote, created hostile and toxic work environments since early in his career. And apparently some of those Buffy co-stars all agreed. Michelle Trachtenberg, who played Buffy's sister Dawn, said there was a rule that Joss was, quote, not allowed in a room alone with her again, as his behavior with her as a teenager was, quote, not appropriate, very not appropriate. Even Buffy herself, Sarah Michelle Geller, responded to Charisma's post with, quote, while I am proud to have my name associated with Buffy Summers, I don't want to forever be associated with the name Joss Whedon. Wow. And that she, quote, stands with 
all survivors of abuse and is proud of them for speaking out. Then Charisma uh, said to that Joss fired her from Angel after she became pregnant, which is such bullshit because so many shows and movies work around an actress's pregnancy. It's doable. Mm-hmm. But this bastard decided to write her off the show. He went so far as to kill off her character so she wouldn't be able to come back. Charisma said that Joss, quote, has created... Um, Hostile and toxic work environments. We've already covered that. Charisma, again, didn't look through her notes, uh, also stated, quote, the disturbing incidents triggered a chronic physical condition from which I still suffer. And then she started spilling tea. Quote, his ongoing passive aggressive threats to fire me, which wreak havoc on a young actor's self-esteem and callously calling me fat to my colleagues when I was four months pregnant Weighing 126 pounds. Oh! He was mean and biting, disparaging about others openly, and often played favorites, pitting people against one another to compete and vie for his attention and approval. A stunt woman and a stunt coordinator, who both worked on Buffy, said that they were dating during the filming the series. Josh, Josh found out about it and allegedly demanded that they either leave the show or break up. Why? Who cares? That's crazy. Yeah. I also heard that, I can't remember his name, but the actor who played Spike, um, he was supposed to be just have like a small part and he came on and audiences just like, he's here. We need him here. And Joss was so upset about it that he like pinned him to a wall and was like, I don't care that you're the favorite. I'm the one. And like, just can't handle somebody else having the attention, which is full bullshit. Uh, and let's not forget that piece of shit moment in Avengers Age of Ultron, which was written and directed by Joss Whedon, where Black Widow calls herself a monster because she can't have children. And if that isn't some absolute bullshit, I don't know what is. Soon after receiving a completely justified backlash for that one, yeah, Joss left Twitter, although he refused to admit that those two things were connected. But because I'm tired of talking about Joss and how gross he is, I'm going to move on to another gross scandal, and that is a nude photo leak. Mm. And while the idea is just gross in general, not only did it happen to one cast member, it happened to four. Wow. In 2010, nude modeling photos were leaked online of Heather Morris, who played sweet but naive cheerleader Britney Pierce. In 2012, Heather was targeted a second time. Heather said, quote, To say I was mortified is an understatement. My body was and still is part of my job, and I felt I couldn't even walk around my workplace without thinking everyone was seeing every single piece of me. Heather also allegedly received a couple of snide comments from co-stars about the photo leak. I am just going to assume one of those co-stars anyway, because again, I got to... <laughs> I got a bee in my bonnet about her, and I don't know why. Of course. Uh, in 2014, Melissa Benoist. Now, look, the Canadian in me wants to say her last name is Benoit. Yeah. But I went and watched YouTube videos of her saying her name so I could pronounce it the way she wants it pronounced, and she says Benoist. And I Great. was telling Lauren this earlier. The only one I could find quickly that was saying her name it was a James Corden show. And 
she said like he was like what are some of the mishearings that you like what are some of the mispronunciations you hear and she's like oh we get benoit a lot and he was like oh that's so much better and he wouldn't let it go and he was like melissa benoit melissa benoit oh that's so much better you should do that and she was just like no i'm probably gonna keep it the way it is but he just wouldn't let it go and it's like well why don't you and joss whedon just go in a circle (laughs) jerk on an island somewhere (laughs) It's a small circle jerk, but it's all they need. <laughs> I Well, when you combine their egos, there's a ton of people there. Hello. Yeah. God. <laughs> Sleepy Christy is spicy Christy On somehow? fire. I, I don't know what's yep. happening to me. Yep. So Melissa Benoist, uh, who played Marley Rose, had her private photos leaked online, which was part of a massive hacking scandal that also included celebrities such as Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Upton, Ariana Grande and Victoria Justice. Melissa tweeted, quote, incivility should not be supported and included a link to a TED talk on clickbait news, which I liked. Uh, Becca Tobin, who played Kitty Wilde, was also a victim of a hacking scandal. However, she handled it a little differently than her co-stars. Uh, pictures of her were leaked, uh, of her showing her decorating a Christmas tree while she was naked. Uh, she tweeted just Mary XXXmas, which I really loved. And kudos to her for being like, what are you going to do? I respect it. I would have thrown every computer into the sea that I could find and just moved to an island that had no Wi-Fi <laughs> and wouldn't have lasted a day. Wouldn't have lasted an hour. Um, so I'm impressed how she handled the situation publicly. Uh, I'm still feeling a large, overwhelming urge to get the blankets. Of course. Uh, In 2017, Diana Agron, uh, who played cheerleader Quinn Fabre, became the most recently cast member to be the victim of celebrity nude photo hacks. Other celebrities in that particular hack were Rosario Dawson, Miley Cyrus, and Sookie Waterhouse. Shout out to Sookie Waterhouse, only because... uh, I've had a crush on your boyfriend for so long, so good for you. Who's and good for him for having Robert Pattinson. Oh, of course. Excuse me. Oh, and also, how is he? Because we're not getting info about him. There's no news. We we heard nothing. There's no updates. I know. I'm really passionate about him and COVID, and I don't know what's. He could be a long hauler. I know. I'm. I'm concerned too. Uh, and honestly, in the end, can we just stop leaking nudes online? Yes. Whether it's a celebrity whose iCloud you hack into or a person you used to date and you're posting the photos as revenge porn. Can we all just stop? My faith in humanity dims a little more every time I hear one of these stories. Just stop res- disrespecting people's boundaries and the idea that some of the celebrities who get absolutely hounded by paparazzi having one of the few private things in the world to them made public is so heartbreaking to me. I'm just, just, just leave women alone. Yeah. Leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And also, you know, I think the thing that's also so gross about it is like, it's not that you can't like everyone has access to nude photos of millions of people in our hands yeah. Um, you can Google boobs and you'll find them immediately. 
Um, so it's not about that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not the fact that it's like no, nope. that's that's the only keepers of the nude fo- only nude photos in the world. It's that the sure you know it's uh it's a sideshow thing, and it's yeah, it's not right. Yeah, I mean, I will say I felt weird. I wasn't looking for the photos. I was trying to find the timeline for when they happened. So I was googling like these different actresses and like nude photo leak, and one. Pot, one hit particular came up that was like her n- nudes are finally out finally we've been waiting forever and it's like just you're gross you're gross. gross uh and while we're on the topic of photos there was a glee photo shoot featuring cory monteith diana agron and leah michelle that was on that was the cover story of the november 2010 issue of gq magazine the photos, which depicted the three as their teenage Glee counterparts, can be best described as racy. Mm. And I kind of feel like a full nana for using that particular word. Uh, Corey was 28 at the time, and I believe both girls were 24, so they were of age. But the photos were a lot, especially because they the photos were taken in a high school and the trio were clearly meant to be seen as teenagers, which makes the raunchy photos a bit much. Uh, the photo shoot attracted a lot of criticism. Some called it borderline pedophilia. Oh, dear. Diana later publicly apologized for the photos. No need to apologize, hon. That wasn't you. Nope. Uh, saying that during the shoot, she had doubts over the over-sexualized schoolgirl theme and that these photos do not represent who I am. And I just find it so sad that she felt the need to apologize for that. She wasn't responsible for the theme. She was young. They all were. And they probably felt like they didn't have a choice. I just feel a lot of white straight men at GQ made some very specific choices about how the photos were going to look. And it's gross and they're, it's heartbreaking that they had to endure a backlash for it because GQ didn't hear about it and the men who made these choices didn't hear about it. Specifically, the actors heard about it. Namely, the two women heard about it. Yeah. Um, and it's just... It's just gross and I guess I'm just gonna... I guess I'm just yelling at the patriarchy again. Is <laughs> what Look, it comes down to. I love it. And you know, it's true though because the other thing too is like those things have to go through a lot of there's a lot of people that have to sign off on mm. stuff like that so you're also in a position too it should be noted like they were all on now forgive me if i'm you know misrepresenting the trajectories of their careers as far as i remember that was a big show for all three of those actors i don't think that they had had yes. roles that big to that point you do no. not have a voice at that point. And I know that people would say, like, you always have a voice. And I think now in 2021, people are feeling more empowered in those ways. Um, but at that time, absolutely not. I'm sure it was like, this is a huge opportunity. You have to do it. I'm sure if somebody did voice, like, are we sure this is okay? There was probably 10 people telling them, like, yes, it's fine. It's great. It's edgy. It's whatever. Like, you you get pushed into situations where then you can come out of it and go like what just happened like I don't know I've been in positions before I had a full-time publicist when I was on my first show where I did interviews and got talked into telling stories and stuff that when I got out of there I was like I really didn't want to do that I got pressured into doing stuff and and talking about things that I really didn't want to do um because I didn't have an advocate and I didn't have someone who was there working for me um 
So I I feel for them in those situations because you really are it's 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 not fair. And the bigger point being, of course, of course the men didn't hear about it. It was the women. It's their fault. No, obviously. Um, now listen, maybe we should take a quick break. I mean, my wine glass is empty, so I'd love to get a quick refill, hit the loo, and we're going to come right back to hear all kinds of more things about all things Glee Curse on this episode of True Crime and Cocktails Famous Fatalities Edition. CheapCaribbean.com has been around for over 20 years and is in the business of providing the best all-inclusive beach vacations you can find. All-inclusive beach vacations mean you get to eat all the food, drink all the alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages you want, and there's also fun beach and night activities. Everything is included when you book at CheapCaribbean.com. Now, Cheap Caribbean has no change fees, and when you book at a Cheap Caribbean resort and add trip protection, you can book with confidence. Less money, less worry, more beach. Also, be sure to check out either a Dreams or Secrets resort when you book with Cheap Caribbean. Right now, you can take $100 off your next beach vacay when you visit CheapCaribbean.com slash true-crime-cocktails. We'll see you on the beach. Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails Famous Fatalities Edition. Of course, we are talking about the Glee Curse. We left off talking about the patriarchy, misogyny, all of our least favorite things in the world. Uh, where we, uh, Where are we headed now? On this journey, well, we we did some scandals. Yes, we did some controversies. Yes. Now, now we're going to get into a bit of a heartbreaking section of the marriages that didn't survive Glee. Sure. Uh, and I know that divorce isn't exactly true crime, but some of them involved a bit of a scandal. So, run with me. Yeah. Um. And did the marriage's ending have something to do with the show? Probably not. But when I deep dive a case, I go all in. Of course. So, so while, uh, and I'm going to say her name wrong because I didn't think to look it up, uh, both Jessalyn Gilsick and Jane Lynch both went through divorces during their time filming Glee in 2013. Um, they're not the marriages that I want to focus on. Sure. First, there's Diana Agron, who married Mumford and Sons guitarist Winston Marshall in a private ceremony in Morocco in 2016. Diana and Winston publicly announced a separation in August 2020. It was later said that they'd actually been living apart for a year, but no reason was ever given for the split. And while they haven't officially divorced yet, it has been said that Diana is dating someone new. Really? Uh-huh. And I don't know who she has not said, but she's also, there have been posts of her and a woman. So I don't know. Fans are freaking out in right. the best way. Of course. But she hasn't said one way or the other. Okay. Uh, And honestly, whoever she is dating, I hope that they are a decent person. And while I'm sure that Winston was fine, as I've heard nothing negative about him, I've just heard so many lovely stories about Diana that I just want nothing but good for her. Mm. Not to mention, she's already been through enough. Oh. Such as. In 2011, Diana had to go into hiding after her breakup with actor Alex Pettifer, uh, who was her co-star in the sci-fi movie I Am Number Four. 
uh, which also stars Timothy Oliphant, uh, who I adore, and I haven't raved about him on the podcast yet. Uh, so just allow me a small moment. Uh, the fact that he hasn't been the male lead in hundreds of rom-coms is a travesty to me. I just wish Hollywood would start seeing eye to eye with me on casting. Um, but again, I have felt the same way about Jack Black for years. Just like, sorry, Blanche. Yeah. Just <laughs> let Blanche cast. Of course. Oh my God. Those mo- movies would be so beautiful. You couldn't look at them the whole time. Yeah. Which would defeat the purpose. Uh, but back to our topic at hand. Allegedly, Diana checked into a hotel under an alias after a heated phone call with Alex where he threatened her. This happened about two weeks after Diana moved out of the apartment that they shared. Leading up uh, to Diana hiding, Alex allegedly went into a rage at an L.A. nightclub where he accused Sebastian Stan of having an affair with Diana. And the joke's on Alex, because Diana didn't hook up with Sebastian until after they broke up. I (laughs) this is what brought them together. Uh, The pair dated on and off uh, for a while, but then they broke up for good in early 2012. I also heard Diana dated Chris Evans briefly. And I want to know everything. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. That's just me. Um, And unfortunately, another cast member had to deal with fearing their own partner, and that's Melissa Benoist. During her time on Glee, Melissa met fellow castmate Blake Jenner, who played Ryder Lynn. The couple got engaged in 2013 and reportedly married in 2015, although some sources say they secretly married in 2013. Mm. But Melissa filed for divorce in 2016, citing irreconcilable differences. The divorce was finalized a year later, and while a short marriage, um, especially for someone so young, might be sad enough on their own, some darkness has come up about the couple's life together. Trigger warning for those who need it involving intimate partner violence. Uh, Melissa took to Instagram to post a 14 minute long video in November 2019 that involved her past experience with intimate partner violence. In the video, she does not name her abuser, but describes him as charming, funny, manipulative, and devious. Things started with her partner's possessiveness and jealousy, escalated to violence just months into the relationship. Melissa detailed being repeatedly punched, slapped, choked, dragged by her hair, and slammed into a wall so hard it broke the drywall. During this video, Melissa mentioned an eye injury that, during an interview with Jimmy Fallon in 2016, she claimed was due to her being accident-prone. The injury, it turns out, was the result of abuse that she'd been subjected to in this relationship, allegedly in 2015, Blake and Melissa got into an argument that escalated. He was standing in the hallway. She was in their bedroom. Blake threw his phone and it hit her in the face. Oh, God. The incident led to a torn iris that nearly ruptured her eyeball. Melissa says that her left eye is permanently damaged. Throughout the video, Melissa never said Blake's name or gave dates, but the internet was pretty quick to assume she was referring to her ex-husband, Blake Jenner. And then in October 2020, Blake responded and admitted the abuse was real. Really? Blake posted, quote, Over the past 11 months, I've been thinking about how to address a personal situation made public in late 2019. 
Throughout that time, I reflected on a period in my life that I had previously kept in the darkness, out of shame and fear, but I know this is something that needs to be addressed, not just publicly, but also privately with the individual directly affected with myself. Blake went on to say that he fell in love with a woman when he was 20, and their relationship was the product of two broken people who were, quote, rooted in codependency. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is, the he, couple, he's going to lose the, me pretty quick, just know that. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> the couple allegedly went through therapy to work out their issues and their toxic relationship. Uh, Blake claimed that there was, quote, mental, emotional, and physical abuse inflicted from both ends. Blake claimed that near the beginning of the relationship, he had to pass on certain acting jobs because of jealousy of, perfect, of prospective female co-stars. He also claimed that he was, quote, discouraged from and threatened to not develop relationships with and take photos with female co-stars at professional events and that his former partner threatened self-harm out of depression and deep-seated fear of abandonment he went into further detail of the emotional and physical abuse including a shower incident that left him with a traumatic injury i wish i had more details but yeah. i'm also glad i don't have more details yeah uh, Blake allegedly, uh, or Blake alleged that he had experienced being slapped, scratched, and at one point suffered a broken nose. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But in her video, Melissa did make references to getting to a point where she would try and defend herself against his attacks. But after all that, Blake said, quote, I take full responsibility and accountability for the hurt that I inflicted during my relationship with my past partner, emotionally, mentally, and yes, physically. Shortly, shortly after posting his response, Blake deactivated his Instagram account, despite his admission, as of June 2021, no charges have been filed. So. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, I guess I should have said as of August because we're in August now. And for some reason, while doing my notes, I thought we were in June. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, again, we're she's, time. Time is relative. Yeah. She's going to have a rude awakening when school starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think summer's just starting. Well. Uh, and one more marriage. Oh. Uh, that I want to talk about. Glee co-creator Brad Falchuk met Gwyneth Paltrow when she guested on the show as Holly Holiday in 2010. In September 2015, the couple made their red carpet debut at the premiere of his show, Scream Queens. Mm. In January 2018, Gwyneth's Goop magazine released a statement to announce that Brad and Gwyneth were engaged. Gwyneth, I should say. Hmm. I don't even give a shit that I wrecked her name. No. Uh... The couple married September 2018, but didn't move in together until August 2019. Huh. They say that they waited because they both had children from previous marriages. Um, and I get that relationships are different and no judgment. But why would you why wouldn't you move in, see how it works and then get married? Because living with someone is so much more different than being in a relationship and living in two separate places. Yeah, or just just pause pause and then move yeah. in when you want to move in 2 years in and then get married after goes. that. Like what? That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Um but I I mean, okay, fine. If it works for them, that's uh, Yes, of course. It works for them. But sure. But here's the thing. 
did it. Does it work for them? (laughs) Well, to backtrack to the beginning of their relationship, they met in 2010. And I don't know exactly the time frame. I just find it wildly interesting. Um, Brad met his first wife and separated in March 2013. And Gwyneth and her husband, Chris Martin, decided to conscious uncoupling in March 2014 after working on their marriage for a year. So was it one or both of them that were married at the time when they started seeing each other? It's possible. They met on the set of Glee. Gwen's first episode was 2010. Uh, She did two more in 2011, two more in 2014. So maybe things didn't start up until 2014, but maybe things started back in 2010. It's all speculation. Of course. And while we're on the topic of Gwyneth, because she was a guest star on Glee, she can count as part of the curse. Of course. And talking about Gwyneth brings us right into our section about legal troubles. First, there was a weird lawsuit where 72-year-old Terry Sanderson sued Gwyneth, claiming that while skiing in Park City, Utah in February 2016, that Gwyneth, quote, carelessly ran him down and skied away. Terry claimed that Gwyneth skied into him from behind, quote, knocking him down, landing on top of him, causing him to suffer a concussion, brain injury, and four broken ribs. Terry filed the suit asking for just over $3 million. And Gwyneth responded by filing a suit of her own, asking for symbolic damages of just $1 plus attorney fees. In her suit, Gwyneth denied being out of control and said she was skiing slowly for the sake of her children. She admits that they did collide, but claims Terry wasn't acting any differently after the incident and that he wasn't severely injured, as he claimed. And I don't know this old man. I also don't know Gwyneth. But part of me wonders, did they bump into each other? He realized who she was and decided he was going to try and cash in on it. Maybe. I would... I mean, listen, I wasn't there. I know nothing about it. I guarantee yes. I'm just... I want to know, did he really break ribs? Um, Yeah, show us us the x-rays. Just provide us with the x-rays. Provide us with a doctor's note. Are they your x-rays? Did you get into some sort of accident after? And then you were like, oh, this accident was my fault. Oh, how am I going to pay for this? You know what? I'll say it happened two weeks ago when I was skiing and she ran into me. That goop lady. (laughs) Goop. Jesus. Here's an improvised side note. (laughs) I like it a lot. This is a, this is a, listen, I know this is a bit, well, listen, this is a Hollywood-centric episode, so I shouldn't feel so bad that I'm giving a bunch of Hollywood-centric uh, information, but no. um, I will not get into specifics, but I will say that people who are of note, who, who are recognizable celebrities and whatnot, um, require additional forms of insurance. So someone like Gwyneth Paltrow would require insurance basically just to walk around the world because it's so prevalent that stuff like that can happen where someone will, you know, you get into a fender bender, 
they see that it's Gwyneth Paltrow and they go, oh, well, she's rich. So I'm going to all of a sudden be like, my neck hurts or whatever. So I will just offer that it is actually so prevalent that it is a thing that celebrities and people who are recognizable have to have like crazy amounts of insurance there's like different terms for it and stuff like that but like that you have to have just to, just to exist as a human be, just in case basically i don't care for that yeah <laughs> it's it just really feels weird. like huh um in september 2018 gwyneth was facing yet another lawsuit but this time through her company goop which can we just say is the dumbest name for a company i've ever heard um, and I'd say no offense, but I, I do mean offense. Um, for those who don't know, Goop is a lifestyle company that sells everything from clothes to beauty products to household goods. They also sell truly insane products, uh, such as the candle that supposedly smells like Gwyneth's vagina. I would like to know who came up with that idea. Uh, and a magic egg that you insert into your body that helps with certain ailments. Uh, and re- as ridiculous as this stuff sounds, it sells out. People love goop stuff and are pretty quick to follow whatever trend goop suggests. You know what else goop does? It allegedly made more than 50 unsubstantiated medical claims about their products. Whoa. Attorneys claim that goop, quote, deceptively markets products as able to treat and or mitigate the symptoms of several medical conditions, including anxiety, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, hormone imbalances, and hair loss, as well as address the symptoms of excessive alcohol consumption. For example, there is the infamous vaginal jade egg. When the egg was first released, gloop, 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 that's almost better, Uh, goop claimed that it was a detox egg and suggested that it would increase bladder control, prevent uterine prolapse, balance hormones, and regulate menstrual cycles. Goop also made claims that their blend of essential oils could prevent depression, and that ingredients in their two perfumes and two candles could treat anxiety, depression, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. And not only was the company lying about the effectiveness of their product, they were also charging insane amounts a bottle of vitamins which Goop claimed could treat conditions related to menopause and perimenopause, including hair loss and hormone imbalance, was selling for $88. And those vitamins, according to the FDA, contain more than 8,000% of the daily recommended amount of biotin, and levels like that can interfere with clinical lab tests such as those used to diagnose heart attacks. But it turns out that Goop's outrageous claims were not supported by competent or reliable science, which led to a group of officials from the California Food, Drug, and Medical Device Task Force to filing a lawsuit against Goop for making such unsubstantiated claims. The judge in the case said, quote, we will vigilantly protect consumers against companies that promise health benefits without the support of good science or any science. <laughs> I hope she's got a lot of insurance. <laughs> well, you're not going to like where this goes. 
Goop didn't admit to any wrongdoing, but instead settled the lawsuit by agreeing to pay $145,000 in civil penalties and offering refunds to customers who bought the offending products and agreeing uh, to an order that barred Goop from making false or misleading statements about any medical devices or nutritional supplements. And I, I guess my only advice in life is maybe don't take scientific advice from Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, it's hey. not bad advice. Yeah, well, it's better than what she's spouting. Uh, I just can't believe that a company, which as of 2019 had an estimated net worth of $250 million, can openly lie to their customer and say whatever they want to make people buy their products, and when it comes out that they were lying, they pay the tiniest penalty and just move on with their lives. That the 145000 is 0.06% of their net worth, which doesn't feel like a real punishment at all. And I know they had to give refunds to people, but again, that lawsuit was in 2018, and in 2019, they're still worth $250 million. So those refunds didn't exactly put them in the poorhouse. Uh, and when I say I can't believe, I mean I'm now used to massive rich companies getting away with whatever they want and not getting more than a slap on the wrist when they have to do when they do something wrong it's frustrating and i would like to practice uh, i would like that practice to go down in flames alongside the patriarchy thank you very much <laughs> that's where she's at oh and that vagina candle that i mentioned because i have to mention it again uh it's the basis of another lawsuit after a texas man uh claimed that the candle exploded <laughs> <laughs> Colby Colby Watson purchased the quote this smells like my vagina candle uh, on Goop's website for $75 in January 2021 the candle which again cost $75 for 10 and a half ounces like that's a small candle I have a lot of issues again $75 for a tiny candle is that normal pricing Spending 75 on a bunch of candles? Sure. But who drops 75 on a single tiny ass candle? And why does anyone want a candle that smells like a vagina? And more specifically, like Gwyneth's vagina. I just, I doubt even her husband wants one. I just, look, I just don't get it. I have more questions about how the candle exploded. You know what I mean? Oh, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're, oh, we're okay. Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. Worry. I thought you were wrapping up, and so I... Oh, no, I'm not wrapping up. I was going to throw just, some shade, so sorry, continue. I'm just... Uh, I can't get beyond paying $75 uh, for a candle. Paying $75 for a single item is already making me go, Whoa, unless it's a car. Like, that's where my, that's where my cheapness <laughs> I is. I don't know if you're going to get a very good car for $75. Oh, we're not. No. But there's certain level of things where I I'm like... I did buy a very expensive candle once. Like, so expensive oh. that, like, it was in a, like, dopamine... Like, I was searching for dopamine, I know now, which, for people who don't know, I've been recently diagnosed with ADHD, and I'm learning so much. Um, but I bought a very expensive candle. But what I'll say mm -hmm. in my defense is, it is huge. <laughs> it's very, okay. very large. So it's it's exorbitant. It's too much money. I, I was going through a 
very hard time. Um, and I love you that candle. You have to justify nothing to me. But to your point, 10 ounces is a very tiny candle. Very it's tiny. a small it's very candle small. to pay that much yeah. money. Um, so this Colby guy uh, apparently wanted one of these vagina candles. So he buys it in January, lit it for the first time in February. He said it was on his nightstand. There, it was, there was nothing close to the candle, no open windows or drafts in the bedroom. Colby then claims that after burning the candle for about three hours or less, he doesn't specifically remember, the candle became engulfed in high flames and exploded soon after, filling the room with black smoke. Mm. He also claims the jar ended up charred and black. I've seen a photo. I'll post it. Um, and that it left a black burn ring on his nightstand. But then the guy admits that he saw on their website Goop listed a caution as to not burn the candle for more than two hours at a time. But Colby said that it's not a good enough warning and he's seeking damages exceeding $5 million. Stop it. But I'm also going to say this and don't don't maybe take science advice from Christy either. Um, I I had a phase where I was like loving candles and then I just kind of got out of it and didn't think about it. But when I started researching um, in my dining room, I, I just, I like a, the candles nice. So I have candles on a record stand that we have. And uh, I'm not kidding. I will, I will light it. And eight hours later go, son of a bitch. <laughs> like just, I forget that it's going, but nothing happens. It's fine. So I don't think like this whole exploding I have a lot of questions about, yeah. okay, I have a lot of questions about, like, why do they have to put a warning? The fact that they have to warn, don't burn it longer than two hours. What is this candle made of? That A, vaginas. Is, <laughs> and I know I can't stop laughing, but I just love the image of this mm -hmm. dude being like, I'm going to tuck myself in for some self-care. I'm going to light up my Gwyneth Paltrow vagina candle and I'm going to watch <laughs> Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And I, <laughs> I'm going to let it burn. And like the fact that this person came forward and I'm making, I of course am being funny, don't come for me. But my point is, is like the fact that this person came forward and was like, <laughs> not only did it leave a black ring on my nightstand, but like you didn't get injured. You get it. Like how much did your nightstand cost? What is it? The mom? From Ikea? What did it cost you? $49.99? Was it more expensive? It was cheaper than the candle? Give me a break. I can't. See? See? Ikea prices. I can handle Ikea prices. <laughs> Not if it includes shipping. Oh. No, that... I did that once when we first moved in here and... Oof. Uh, so this all went down in May 2021. Okay. There is no word on how far this lawsuit has actually gone. But a rep for Goop said that they are confident that this claim is frivolous and, quote, an attempt to secure an outsized payment from a, a press-heavy product. I just want to know, Colby, if you're listening, do you often buy candles? And regardless as to what your answer is to that question, then I want to know, what is it that made you want Gwyneth's vagina candle? Um, was what made it, what was, what was it about that product that you were like, 
I need to get my hands on it. Um, did the outrageous price not sway you even a little bit? Um, or I don't know, the fragrance? Um, or are you just like a real fan of Gwyneth? What brought you to goop in the first place? <laughs> I, I have a lot of questions and I don't think I've ever said the word vagina as many times in my life as I have tonight. And I accept it. I love it. Gwyneth did this. She did. Not she me. did this to all of us. I think it's also the fact that it was on his nightstand. So I also am going to say, like, we're not going to make any assumptions about his sexuality or his gender expression because we don't know. No. But it does, one would potentially, you know, infer that if you're putting yeah. a vagina candle on your nightstand, that could mean something. It also might not. But, you know, it is just an interesting... If I'm Location. putting on my profiler hat, it's an interesting profile to begin to paint mm-hmm. because I, I, I also, again, I'm, I'm chuckling with delight that I'm like, I want to know everything, everything there is. Um, so, yeah, so many questions. Also, I feel like you know, I think it also came out something about like obviously that's not the actual scent; it's just like inspired by that or something. And look. You know, I'll give her kudos like I'll give anybody kudos that makes something out of nothing. That it's like, you made a marketing choice that made, you know, like respect. I give her respect to that woman that it's like, you were like, hey, I'm going to market this thing. And she succeeded. And people paid for it, which, again, cuckoo bananas. But she's laughing all the way to the bank. So I will always give props when... A, a lady manages to uh not manages to when a lady does that that's awesome but um there's just so many there's so many nuances to this so many questions it just makes me giggle it just does it's like it's just it's it's delightful to me like the whole thing is so silly do you know what i mean like it's it's like to me if you bought the 75 dollar vagina candle like you got you already got duped <laughs> like it's like you've already you've done the thing you're not, don't come forward with an exploding candle. Then it's like, then it's, come on. Yeah, I, I mean, and I thought the egg was the weirdest thing that Goop was going to come out with. But the jade and eggs I are just, a thing. Jade eggs are, a th- I think, I don't know that, I would be curious to know if they started the jade egg. Because I've heard about jade eggs for mm. years. And they come it's in, possible. they come in different sizes. Oh God! So I'm for those weirded out for those it. who don't know, just know it's like you can get them, and I don't know if this is goop or not. Somebody, if if people know, then then you can correct me. But I've heard about these for years, and they mm-hmm. come in different sizes. And the idea is is that you whoop a doop boop, and then your your <laughs> body your body has to hold it so it doesn't fall out. So you're uh-huh. like building muscle and stuff, right? Um, uh-huh. So you, st- you actually start with the biggest one and you work your way down to a very, very tiny one, which then has to require a lot of muscle strength to hold in there. And I, I have heard that some ladies uh, will uh, before a yoga class. What I like <laughs> is you just automatically gave me one of our promos. <laughs> I'm talking right there. sound bites, baby. Uh, um, I like it a lot. But for me, I'm I was like writing the, down that timestamp. Thank you very much. For me, yeah. the idea that I would have to engage my pelvic floor internally to try and hold on to, because for those who don't know, like a, a jade egg, we're talking like a solid crystal. So if you've ever had 
rose quartz or anything like a solid heavy crystal like they're solid and heavy so it is i mean it it's it's i've never personally experienced a jade egg but i'm just saying like the idea of of and then trying to do a yoga class like god bless you if you can do it i mean amen to you again you just you do you lady jane because that's i'm not i don't i don't have a bear trap i'll say that much i, I am envisioning the two of us being like we should try it sorry i just took a mouthful of wine as you said that and i could not talk yeah this is like this being is in the lineup being in the lineup Target. Some women wear these to yoga classes. We just try to do a Target run. (laughs) And and us walking through the parking lot like we're babies with something in a diaper. (laughs) I just envision us in this lineup and we're standing there and it's dead quiet. And then you just hear it hit the floor. Oh, and then we both just like kick it with our shoe to hide it under somewhere. Just, just, just go, just go, just walk, walk, walk away. And then I'm like, but they were seventy five dollars. It was only oh. ten ounces. Oh god. Oh yeah. God. We're abs- I can absolutely yeah. foresee this in our future for sure. We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. definitely try it out. I, I mean, just the sound of like a marble hitting the floor, and we both just—it would be a thud. Up. Well, we shouldn't yeah. be wearing a dress. <laughs> I don't know why we are in my vision. I just like the idea of the sound happening. We make eye contact because we know exactly what that means, and. Uh, Suddenly it's like, oh, we're in trouble. Oh. Like, I I can barely go to the store and come home without peeing. Oh. So how am I going to, how we am I going to, you know. Without- <laughs> <laughs> oh, how would I, like, I just, the idea makes me, oh, no, thanks. Oh, Well, the man. good news is, is that this podcast is for long enough <laughs> That it could be a business expense. <laughs> I don't know if I could even try one for the sake of the podcast, but what I would love though is <sighs> to see is to see um of course tasteful, only our faces, but just the reaction of like, this is hell. <laughs> <laughs> we would hate every second of yeah, it. Yeah, it'd, it'd be bad. Yeah, there's no interest uh in that at all. Um, so I'll see you on I, Tuesday when we're going to do it together. It's going to be great. <laughs> I like, oh, just the full, full, just full crying. Um, yep. And the great thing is we, we're going to need that, that release because the next one's not as bad. But then after that, we're really getting into the, I know, we're getting into the stuff. But oh, you and me, even a McDonald's and they ask us and the, as they're taking our order. They hear that like as it's hitting the floor and we're, we have to try and keep still our faces of just like, oh. and then we, because we don't want them to know it was us. We do like everyone else and go like weird and look around and we're like, what was that noise? Like weird. Like that's, huh. Huh. 
Huh, weird. So so now I've decided, just in case, if we do do this in public, I need another few things, like, in a pocket, so that if they do fall out in public and it makes a thing, I can quickly take it in my pocket and, like, throw them everywhere and be like, oh, look, they're everywhere. That's so weird. You're literally going to have a pocket full of marbles <laughs> that you then scatter on the floor? Maybe pebbles or something. Marbles feels like we're trying to make people slip and fall. We're right. gonna have to collect saying... the jade eggs if they fall out because we can't. I can't. I can't risk a lawsuit if someone turns their ankle <laughs> on, on my jade egg. I could get badly sued. Look, unless it's like serial number that can track back to you, like an like an or like a. Body part, you're fine. I gotta call my business manager. Up the insurance. <laughs> We've got an experiment to do. <laughs> oh, we are just a walking candid camera. I just can't wait for the feedback on this episode when people are like, <laughs> "It's been an hour forty-five. Stop talking about your vaginas and get to the death. We'll get there." <laughs> Look. I think anyone who's still here at this point is, <laughs> is on board. Just skip forward. Like, if you're not interested in this bit, fast forward. We don't care. We don't monitor it. And you don't have to let us know. Oh, you don't have to let us know. <laughs> we- I would rather do this jade egg experiment than hear that you didn't <laughs> like parts of the show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I will empower you to fast forward if you're not happy and get to the goods. We're not offended because we don't need to know about it. All right. We're out of goop. Uh, What's next? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, that was a, that was a good laugh. Oh, my heart is full. Yeah. Ah, Lord. Okay. So we're going to go, we're going to go with a legal issue still, but we're moving on from Gwyneth. We're letting her go. Um, this time, it involves Jesse Lucan. He played Bobby Boom Boom Surrette, uh in multiple episodes of the show in 2012. Uh, Jesse was also on Justified, which starred Timothy Oliphant, <laughs> who you. I'm going to keep mentioning just to put it out in the universe. I don't know why, because I could never actually speak to him. But I guess Blanche is being bolder than me. Uh, so that's just where we're at. Uh, So December 5th, 2018, Glendale Police Department was alerted to a single vehicle accident around 11.16 p.m. Jesse Lucan, the driver of the vehicle, had allegedly driven his Toyota onto a curb, mangled one of the front tires, and deployed the vehicle's airbag. According to police, Jesse smelled of alcohol and failed a breathalyzer at the scene. He was arrested and later released, but at the time he was in police custody... He provided a blood sample. Three months later, in March 2019, Jesse was officially charged with one misdemeanor count of driving under the influence and one misdemeanor count of driving with a .08 blood alcohol level. His arraignment was set for 2019, and yet no information has been posted about it since. So unfortunately, I can't find the exact result but I think we all know what that means. He probably got probation and a mandatory alcohol education program. Um, but I I hate that I didn't know. 
we're just going to have to accept that. The fact that there wasn't a big thing about it means there wasn't a big thing about it. He got off with a slap on the wrist. Right. But we are getting now to the part where now I'm going to feel bad about laughing earlier. But no, take the joy where you can get them. Yeah. Um, we, 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 we are in the death part of our death and gossip <laughs> oh, no. topic. Um, there is still a bit of gossip you know, peppered in some of these. So not all hope is lost. Of course. I debated about the best order to do this in, but ultimately decided we're just, we're just going to tackle it in chronological order and hope for the best. Uh, so Corey Allen, Michael Monteith was born May 11th, 1982 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you. Uh, after his parents' divorce in 1989, Corey was raised by his mother in Victoria, British Columbia, also in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, Corey saw less and less of his father due to military service. So around the age of 13, Corey started to act out in school and was admittedly using alcohol and marijuana. After attending 16 schools, including alternative programs for troubled teens, Corey dropped out altogether at the age of 16. At this time, his drug and alcohol dependency led him to stealing money from friends and family in order to fund his addictions. His mother staged an intervention when Corey was 19, and he entered into a rehab program. It seems as though everything had turned out or turned around for Corey, as in 2011, he received his high school diploma. Corey worked various jobs, such as cab driver, mechanic, roofer, Walmart greeter, and a drummer for various bands. But then he started an acting career while in Vancouver. He had minor roles in movies such as Final Destination 3 and a recurring role on the TV series Kyle XY. Corey also made a guest appearance on shows such as Stargate Atlantis, Smallville, Flash Gordon, and Supernatural. That's right, I remember. <clears throat> and that magic word means... A supernatural side note. Carry on my on. <laughs> oh, I live for it. Every time I hear it on the radio, just just a low, long tear. Um, I made the assumption that the mere title of the show would pique interest. <laughs> to what? The two of us? Uh, they have so many fans everywhere, but I don't think it overlaps. It doesn't matter. Um, I did uh, see recently in the Discord that some people have started uh, watching Supernatural because we don't shut up about it. Yes. Uh, Also, for those who don't know, we have a Discord. We don't 100% understand what Discord is or how it works. But if you go onto Instagram, there is a True Crew Discord account and they'll help you learn everything you need to know. Yes, because I don't know where it is or what it is or how to get there but they know they know and and it's a chat community i believe to connect yeah. with people i believe um and it sounds very nice like i'm i love that stuff i just um you know i don't know how to i'm not tech savvy oh god i i don't know where it is or how to get there like it's basically the dark web to me <laughs> that's, that's where we're at um so apparently Corey was in the Wendigo episode, which aired, which was season one, episode two. Part of me debated about rewatching it as I worked on my notes, 
but that's a slippery slope, and the sight of those adorable fresh-faced Winchesters would cause me to go down a rabbit hole that would end up with this episode ending right here, because I would have no more notes. Of course. Uh, you know I can't accept that, so just know that I put Supernatural on the back burner for this. Although saying it out loud makes me feel guilty, which brings me to a point where I want to scream at myself for not for being too hard on myself, which feels counterproductive. Maybe I'll buy myself some fries tomorrow as a little apology. I hope so. I'm fairly certain that I'm losing it <laughs> at this point. I've That's lost it. I lost it a while ago, so don't worry about yeah. that. Uh, so when Glee was being cast, Corey's agent sent in a video of Corey drumming with some pencils and Tupperware containers. The video caught the eye of series creator Ryan Murphy, who noted that audition, d- auditioning actors that had no theatrical experience were required to prove that they could sing and dance as well as act. So Corey submitted a second tape, this time singing Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon. Then he auditioned at a mass audition in L.A. where he was told that his vocal skills were, quote, weak. Oh! But thankfully for Corey, he performed very well for one of the casting directors who said that Corey captured the exact naive but not stupid sweetness that they were looking for and Corey was cast in glee as Finn Hudson, the star quarterback of William McKinley High School's football team. And while Finn is the popular jock dating the head cheerleader Quinn Fabray, played by Diana Agron, he risks alienation from his friends by reluctantly joining the school's glee club and he ends up loving it. In 2011, Corey had an interview with Canada's boyfriend George Strombolopoulos <laughs> Where Corey opened up about his troubled past. He said he wanted to clear things uh, about the public's perception of him and that he wanted to provide hope to any teenagers who might be going through a similar experience and to shed light on the way he got out of a difficult situation. During the interview, Corey stated, quote, For me, it wasn't so much about the substances. It was more about not fitting in. I hadn't found myself at all. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea where I was going. And all of a sudden, I was like, I'm going to be this bad kid and other kids are going to think, oh, he's cool. And they'll want to hang out with me. It was just influences from watching people around me. And it was a lack of not really having a self-image at the time. Corey's mother, Anne McGregor, admitted that she had taken her son to rehab for the first time when he was 15 years old and again when he was 19. She said, quote, he tried to keep everything from me because he loved me and wanted to protect me. He was just always so curious and the darker world just drew him in. Fellow cast member Naya Rivera said that when she first met Corey, he was very straightforward about his past and that as far as she knew, Corey was totally sober up through season three. Although according to Corey's mother, um, Anne said that Corey began using drugs again after he landed his role on Glee, she said, quote, he wasn't ready for the Hollywood world. Drugs were his way of checking out. On March 31st, 2013, Corey once again entered himself into a treatment facility for substance abuse after an emergency intervention on the Paramount lot. Ryan Murphy, as well as a various cast members and crew from the show, all pleaded with Corey to accompany doctors to the rehab facility. He was assured that his job would still be available for him once he returned, although he was written out of the last two episodes of season four to explain, you know, because he was leaving. Right. Um, 
So April 26th, 2013, it was reported that Corey had completed his treatment. And then July 2013, Corey went to spend some time in his hometown. So he checked into the Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel in downtown Vancouver on July 6th with the intention of spending seven nights. On Thursday, July 11th, he had dinner with his manager and the co-founder of Project Limelight Society, which is a non-profit performing arts youth program that Corey was interested in working with. The co-founder said that Corey looked so good, so healthy. According to authorities, Corey and three unidentified people left his hotel room on the evening of Friday, July 12th. Later that night at 2.16 a.m., Corey was seen on camera returning to his room on the 21st floor at the Fairmont Hotel. As Corey was expected to check out the next day, uh, when he failed to do so, hotel staff went to his room. Shortly after 12 p.m., hotel staff entered the locked room and found Corey unresponsive in a collapsed position on the floor. Emergency health services were notified and attended the scene, but resuscitation was not attempted as it was clear that Corey was dead. He was 31 years old. Mm. Near him on the table, hotel staff noted a spoon with drug residue, a hypodermic needle, two empty bottles of champagne, and multiple glasses. Time of death is estimated to be around 4 a.m. The preliminary autopsy report stated that Corey's death appeared to be accidental and that he died from a mixed drug toxicity. That consisted of heroin and alcohol. His blood alcohol level was 0.13. Oof. Uh, the cause of death was confirmed in the final autopsy report on October 2nd. It was noted that Corey had codeine and morphine in his system at the time of his death. The coroner stated that Corey had experienced intermittent periods of drug abuse and abstinence throughout his life, and that, quote, after a period of cessation from opioid, uh, opioid drug use, a previously tolerated drug concentration level may become toxic and fatal. Basically saying Corey's most recent stint in rehab, combined with his attempt to stay clean, resulted in lowering his tolerance, and that after a period of time... Um, trying to do the same amount he would normally have done would have been too much for him. Right. Not to mention the fact that heroin and alcohol are both central nervous system and respiratory depressants, which means they cause sedation and ultimately sometimes death. Uh, following a private viewing by his family and his girlfriend, who at the time was fellow castmate Leah Michelle, Corey's body was cremated July 17th. A nosy side note. Please. Corey and Leah Michelle started dating in 2012 and had been together about a year when he died. In 2013, Leah got the last words they spoke to each other tattooed on her right rib cage. It says, I love you more, and if you say so. There has been speculation that she had that tattoo covered up with a floral pattern after she got married to someone in 2019 because she wore a dress that kind of showed that spot and all you could see was like a flowery thing coming out. So it's speculated that she has since covered that. Um, but April 12th, 2016, Leah posted a photo of a tattoo that she got in honor of Corey, a number five on her side, which was his jersey number on the show. 
Then in 2019, she showed off another small tattoo that said the name Finn on her upper left thigh, which was his character name on the show. She posted it as a tribute to Corey on his on the sixth anniversary of his death. And I know that it's not my business. And I know that people grieve in their own way. I just find it fascinating that Leah Michelle got married in March 2019 and got her third tattoo memorial for Corey that same year. That is interesting. She claimed later that, oh, she actually got that tattoo in 2011, which I find also interesting. So you got a tattoo for someone before you were even dating? That's, that's interesting, too. So I wonder if she just panicked and tried to say a different year and messed up the math. I don't know. Um, so did she live when she got it? Because she realized it might seem weird that she got a tattoo reminder of an ex-boyfriend on her body months after her wedding. Maybe did she, in fact, get it years ago? And I'm just being a tattoo prude. Maybe. <laughs> the uh leah michelle and uh her current husband uh met in 2016 and a friend of leah's said quote um that leah loves him because he's not an actor and has no desire to be in the spotlight uh no desire to be in the spotlight or no in no desire to outshine you <laughs> again i don't know this woman i don't have to be hard on her but that's where we're at. She rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. That's just where we're at. She started dating this guy named Zandy um, in 2017. They got engaged 2018, married 2019, and had a child 2020. Oh. She seems happy. So, you know, good for her. Uh, on July 20th, 2013, Ryan Murphy stated that the third episode of season five would be a tri tribute episode titled The Quarterback which takes place three weeks after Finn's funeral. Uh, no cause of death was ever stated in the episode. And even if you didn't watch the show all the way up to that point, watching that episode is rough. Maybe it's just me because I tear up at almost anything. Um, or maybe it's because I'm a sucker for episodes of shows where you just know some of those tears are real. Which brings me to a very emotional example side note. Oh, the Golden Girls finale, please, will always, always stick with me. So, spoiler alert, I guess, look, the show ended in 1992. If I can't it's talk fine. about it that You're way, fine. can I? So, final episode. I think it happened the episode before. Doesn't matter. But in the final episode, final scene, Dorothy has gotten married to Leslie Nielsen, by the way. Mm. Um, and she's moving out of the house that the four women have shared for the past seven years. In the final scene, the women are getting really emotional and Dorothy's at the door and is like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And then, and then she, she breaks and she cries and you know, that's a real cry. And she says, quote, you'll always be my sisters. And I know that she was talking to them more as women and not as actors and I just want to lay on the floor of a dark room and sob until the end of time. And I wanted to make sure I got the quote right. So I did find that clip on YouTube today and full sobbed. Like watching them just openly cry about it. And like, it's just, what a beautiful thing. 
Yeah. What a beautiful thing. And if this was me spoiling the end of Golden Girls for you, kudos to you for watching Golden Girls at this point. It's it's a lovely show and I... It's the greatest, yeah. I can't get enough. I can't get enough. Uh, but yeah, if a character cries on TV, like the... Um, what was the... I don't remember the full name. It was a really long name. It was like... 10 rules for dating my daughter oh yes or uh-huh. something yep when john when john ritter died oh and the like the the his family were just such a mess and i'm like yeah yeah i i don't i understand that actors can cry and do that sort of thing but i also get when it i i like when it comes out a little bit because then you're just you you're i like it raw Maybe I like it She likes Maybe it raw. she likes it raw. She does. Especially when it involves B. Arthur, apparently. Hey, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I love her. Um, so from what I can tell, Corey Monteith was the first person associated with Glee that died young. But there was an assistant director on the show named Jim Fuller oh. who died in his sleep on September 14th. 2013 like two months after Corey's death Mm. jim was only 41 years old interesting prior to his work on glee jim also worked as an assistant director on monk weeds numbers and it's always sunny in philadelphia an autopsy confirmed that jim's cause of death was heart failure the show paid tribute to jim in an episode in season four when a couple is working on the seating chart for their wedding, and one of the names on the seats was Jim Fuller. And I thought that was really lovely. Um, And less than five months after Jim's death, Glee would lose another crew member. On February 9th, 2014, production assistant Nancy Motes was found dead in her bathtub, surrounded by non-prescription and prescription medications. Nancy had drowned. She was 37 years old. Nancy's death was ruled suicide based on the mixture of pills that were found at the scene, as well as the suicide note that was left behind. It was split into three sections. One was addressed to her fiancé, John Dilbeck. One was addressed to her family, and one was addressed to just everyone. Under California law, the L.A. County coroner is only obliged to give the pages to the person to whom they are addressed. Really? so we don't know what was written in the letter to her family because they've never made it public. But the other two notes uh, have been made public. Uh, in the note to everyone, Nancy states that she has suffered from depression and addiction all of her life and that she bursts into tears every morning because she wakes up. In her note to her fiancé, she praises him as the one true love of her life and that, quote, if anything happens to me... John gets whatever he wants of my possessions, including their dog. She then wrote, quote, My mother and so-called siblings get nothing except the memory that they're the ones who drove me into the deepest depression I've ever been in. Whoa. So who's the so-called sibling that Nancy is referring to? Oh, well, that would probably be Nancy's half-sister, Academy Award-winning actress Julia Roberts? Whoa! Yeah. Holy shit. The letter alleges that Nancy suffered years of emotional abuse at the hands of her sister, saying that she was cruel. 
In tweets that were posted before she died, Nancy said, quote, Just so you all know, America's sweetheart is a bitch. Ha! Wow. Allegedly. allegedly. Uh, another tweet stated, quote, My own family has abandoned me. Apparently, Julia and uh, their mother did attend Nancy's funeral service, um, where witnesses say Julia gave the eulogy that was described as bizarre. Uh, Julia allegedly, because again, I'm just going based off of something, somebody was there, or they claim to have been there, yeah. uh, said, quote, Nancy's gone and not coming back. <laughs> oh. Uh, and that she wanted to wring her sister's neck, quote, because she didn't wait to see the joy that comes with mourning. What? Uh, That's a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to say. Uh, unfortunately, Nancy's notes were handwritten and not witnessed by anyone, so her fiancé, John, has been in a bitter legal battle with Julia and the mother for control over Nancy's estate. Which just all feels so tragic, and Nancy is another name I would like to add to the hug smugglers blanket list. Yes, please. Which, just so you know, is very fun to say. Yeah. Hug smugglers. I really do like that. Um, it's also just so shocking to me that in the span of seven months, three people from the same production all died under the age of 40. And if that seems hard to believe, a fourth death occurred just three days before the first anniversary of Corey Monteith's death. Becca Tobin, who played Kitty Wilde on the show, was dating a nightclub owner named Matt Bendick. On July 10th, 2014, while on a business trip to Philadelphia, a maid at the Hotel Monaco found Matt's unresponsive body lying face down on the bed. There was no evidence that he had committed suicide. There were no drugs, medication, or weapons found at the scene. He was pronounced dead at 1.17 p.m. He was 35 years old. Wow! The night before his death, he and Becca had gone out with friends. Becca was, the, uh, was of course, devastated and said that she had hoped to marry Matt and have children with him someday. Matt's family believed his cause of death was a heart attack caused by stress as Matt was a workaholic. He was in Philadelphia at the time trying to expand his business. He owned and ran numerous clubs, including one of West Hollywood's hottest night spots, DBA. I would, of course, even if I lived there. Would yeah, I not. don't know that one. No. Um, as well as the Avertine Restaurant and the AV Nightclub. Apparently, the AV Nightclub is said to be one of the toughest venues to get into, as it has famous patrons such as Neo, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Chris Brown. Although huh. if Chris Brown and Neo are getting in there, it can't be that hard. <laughs> Ooh, don't come for me. I like the shade. I don't know what's going on. So Matt got his start in the party scene in 1997 when just at just 14, he got in with a group of high school seniors who organized weekly parties in a shuttered church in Hollywood. He spent the rest of the school year cleaning up after all of their parties at the end of the year, the seniors graduated, so they offered to sell Matt their business for a few hundred dollars. <laughs> he bought their party list, the contract to the church rental, some DJ equipment and speakers, and then s continued to organize parties for teenagers four years older than him. By his sophomore year, he was raking in tens of thousands of dollars throwing parties for students. 
That same year, he was approached by Whiskey-A-Go-Go on the Sunset Strip to take over promoting their Monday night all-ages show. He was only 15 at the time. Wow. After graduating, he spent four years at the Cornell University School of Hotel Administration uh, while also putting on parties at a string of exclusive clubs in New York and Los Angeles. Matt's preliminary autopsy did not establish a clear cause of death, but it was publicly stated that there was no evidence of trauma. So as of now, his death is being listed as likely a heart attack. Wow. Which is terrifying that he was that young and that a, an autopsy was like, wow, yeah, there's nothing. I guess we'll say heart attack. You're right. He was stressed. That was probably it. Like, I have so many more questions that I'll never get answers. Um, but some slightly uplifting news in all of this. Becca Tobin did find love. She got engaged in May 2016, married December 2016 in a private ceremony, which was officiated by her Glee castmate, Jane Lynch. Oh, which is so beautiful. That's nice. Uh, but remember, folks, we're in the death episode, death kind of section of this episode. So my, I may have just given you positive news, um, but I'm now just as quickly going to take you back down to the more tragic stuff. And I'm going to give a trigger warning for just the, the whole section that I'm going to talk about, because there's a lot of things in this particular section. Um, and I, I can't spend the whole time saying trigger warning, so just know probably the next 20 minutes. Just be careful. Uh, so Mark Wayne Soling uh, was born August 17th, 1982. He grew up in Texas before studying music in Los Angeles. He played piano, guitar, and drums, which again is impressive to me. Uh, in 2008, he released an album called Smoke Signals under his own label, Jericho Records. And in 2010, he released his second album, Pipe Dreams, under another label of his, Pipe Dream Records. He had a few minor roles, including one in the film Children of the Corn for The Reckoning, and a part on an episode of the original Walker, Texas Ranger, before landing his role as Noah Puck Puckerman on Glee. Apparently for a few years early on in the show, Mark dated fellow castmate Naya Rivera. But then during a trip, it got back to Naya that Mark had slept with someone else. Mm. So she had a friend help her buy dog food, bottles of Coke, eggs, and birdseed. And they proceeded to dump it all over Mark's car. <laughs> Mark didn't arrive home for a few more days. So when he returned, the car was just more of a sludge that had been baked onto his car. Someone leaked the story to the press, and there were headlines like, Glee's Naya Rivera keyed Mark Salling's Lexus in a jealous fit. But according to Naya's memoir, there were no keys involved, and he, quote, definitely didn't have a Lexus. <laughs> apparently, not, apparently, Naya never admitted to Mark that it was her, but he knew the people who owned the store where she bought all of the stuff. They showed him security camera footage of her buying everything. So he knew it was her, but they never spoke about it. And somehow they got back together. <laughs> wow. They broke up later on again for good. But still, I'm okay. With Where there's passion, there's passion. Sure. 
Uh, then another girl entered Mark's life in January 2013. One of his ex-girlfriends filed a lawsuit against Mark, accusing him of sexual battery and forcing her to have sex without a condom. The lawsuit referred to incidents in 2011 when the ex went to Mark's house to confront him about the emotional distress she endured over worries that she may have contracted an STD from him. She alleges that he grabbed her and threw her to the ground, which injured her knees. Ooh. Mark's lawyers, of course, denied the whole thing and referred to the ex-girlfriend as, quote, the textbook case of a disgruntled girl looking to cash in on a TV star's success. In March 2015, Mark settled the case out of court by agreeing to pay his accuser more than $2.7 million when she agreed to drop her sexual battery charge. Mark also admitted he was responsible for the injuries that his ex suffered by causing her to fall. Following a tip from one of Mark's other ex-girlfriends, uh, in December 2015, Mark was arrested at his Los Angeles home on suspicion of possessing child pornography. Ooh. He was released on $20,000 bail. Police then executed a search warrant. And I'm going to say this slowly because it took me multiple times reading it before I really comprehended. Um, they found more than 50,000 images of child pornography which had been downloaded between April and December of 2015. The images were found on Mark's personal computer and another 4,000 images and 160 videos were discovered on a separate flash drive. And I'm just going to, just a quick pin, uh, just a, a heads up, if anybody feels they want to look further into that part of his life, uh, super, just, just uh, be careful. Mm. Um there are very, very detailed oh. documents from court that don't show the photos, obviously, but describe them in very graphic detail. And once you are glancing through something and you come across something and you don't realize what you're reading and then it's too late, it's it's horrifying. Uh, so May 27th, 2016, Mark was officially charged with receiving and possessing child pornography. <sighs> and on September 30th, 2017... He pleaded guilty to possession of child pornography involving a prepubescent minor. The guilty plea was formalized on December 18th, 2017, where Mark agreed to a plea deal in which he would plead guilty in exchange for a reduced sentence. Sentencing was scheduled for March 7th, 2018. He was facing between four and seven years in prison and after serving his sentence would have to register as a sex offender and enter into a treatment program. Mark was placed under house arrest and forced to wear a tracking device. On January 29th, 2018, Mark was seen on a security camera at a convenience store around 12.40 p.m. He bought a pack of Marlboro Lights cigarettes and a two-liter bottle of Sprite. The clerk said that Mark didn't say much, but he seemed agitated and that he was seemed like he was on a different planet. On the night of January 29th, Mark was in the living room watching TV with his father around 11.30 p.m. When his mother woke around midnight, she discovered that both Mark and his vehicle were missing. The tracking device that Mark had been forced to wear was found discarded down the street. Around 3 a.m., Mark's family filed a missing persons report stating that he had a history of depression since his conviction in 2017. 
I said I wasn't going to, but another trigger warning. Uh, Mark's family said that he had tried to commit suicide several times in the past, including an incident in 2017 where he tried to slit his own wrists. Mm. Mark's roommate found him and called 911. His roommate was credited with saving Mark's life. Mark then spent a month in the hospital. And around 10 a.m. on January 30th, 2018, Mark's body was found kneeling on the ground near a tree on the banks of the L.A. River near his home in Sunland. A nylon rope was wrapped around his neck. He was pronounced dead at the scene. He was 35 years old. The California prison system uh, came under fire recently for a shockingly high rate of deaths for child molesters at the hands of other prisoners. And maybe that was something that uh, Mark feared, or maybe it had something to do with the fact that Mark was meant to meet his probation officer the very same day. Um, Cause of death was ruled asphyxia by hanging, and the manner of death was deemed to be suicide. The autopsy showed that Mark's blood alcohol level was 0.09, um, which is above the 0.08 legal limit for driving, but no drugs were found in his system. There was also no evidence of any other trauma found. In February 2018, the child pornography case against Mark was officially dismissed. However, that plea deal that Mark had worked out in advance, um, in it, he'd offered to pay $50,000 restitution to the victims. But since he died before he was officially sentenced, the judge lost the power to order him or his estate to actually pay. And they aren't the only ones who aren't going to get the money that they were promised. Remember when Mark agreed to pay $2.7 million to his ex-girlfriend as long as she willingly dropped the sexual battery suit? Well, he didn't get around to paying her, so now she's trying to take his estate to court in an attempt to get the money. Good luck to her. Don't know if that's going to work out. Yeah. And that, dear listeners, brings us to our final Glee tragedy. Naya Marie Rivera Mm. was born January 12th, 1987. Her mother got her an agent before Naya could even walk. And in 1987, seven-month-old Naya made her TV debut crawling across the floor in a Kmart commercial. Naya went on to book print ads for Oshkosh, Cabbage Patch, and Barbie. Naya later referred to herself as, quote, Mattel's go-to ethnic girl, which made me laugh. Uh, at the age of five, Naya booked her first TV role in the CBS sitcom The Royal Family. Less than a month after the show premiered, lead actor Red Fox suffered a heart attack and was rushed to a local hospital where he was resuscitated. Unfortunately, a few hours later, he would be pronounced dead. Naya was on set when Red collapsed. Can you even imagine? No. Um, Without Red, Royal Family was cancelled, and Naya moved on to a guest spot on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and then to a recurring role on Family Matters. Naya said that around this time, she started receiving fan letters from male prisoners, Mm. which is so beyond gross. Uh, reading Naya's book taught me, um, well, taught me a lot, uh, but taught me about, uh, a Coogan account. Apparently there is a California child actors bill, which requires 15% of a child actor's earnings get put into a trust, which is often called a Coogan account, which brings me to a namesake side note. 
The Coogan account is named for Jackie Coogan, a child star in the 1920s who earned millions of dollars over his career, and when he turned 18, that's the time he found out that his parents had spent it all. Oh. Uh, And while I think this whole idea is a great idea, I can't help but think 15% feels pretty low, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I tip more than that. (laughs) Yeah. And I get that maybe it's a case of a parent has uprooted their lives and they're the ones their 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 whole career is basically taking the kid to and from auditions and all that kind of stuff and they're using this money to live off of i get that but i also think that amount should be closer to 50 percent. but again that's you know i have other things i should lobby for first <laughs> lobbying i'm gonna lobby now. oh i like that <laughs> that's where we're at uh naya said that when she turned 18 thanks to her coogan account she was able to get breast augmentation surgery she said she never regretted it for a second and if it makes you happy go for it if it makes you happy and it doesn't do something negative to somebody else unless they deserve it go for it go for it uh naya apparently auditioned for but didn't get parts in the cheetah girls the brats movie and she auditioned for Vanessa Hudgens' part in High School Musical. Oh. But a role that she did get after auditioning with a rendition of Emotion by Destiny's Child, Naya booked the part of Mean Girl cheerleader Santana Lopez on Glee. Which brings me to a very quick song side note. Oh. Emotion was originally performed by Australian singer Samantha Sang. It reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1978, but the song was written by Barry and Robin Gibb, better known as two-thirds of the Bee Gees. Thank you very much. Bee Gees also recorded a version of the song in 1994 before Destiny's Child covered it in 2001. Spice Girl Emma Bunton covered the song in 2019. Huh. And make a note, any dear listeners that like some sort of weird trivia facts uh i don't know if i've ever mentioned it on the show before but episode 46 apparently is when i admit to the people my lifelong deep-rooted love of the Bee Gees. i don't again i don't know if i've talked about it before but it was always playing growing up and i have such a love for them and i have i have, i will be honest i have shed tears of uh the two brothers passing since uh, so, and that third one, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you've ever mentioned no. it on the show. I just know it. No. That's why I'm nodding emphatically. Of oh, of course. Yeah. I assume there's going to be nothing I say on this show that you're like, oh, I didn't know that about you. I know there have been a few things. Um, but you know, I'm not going to, oh, a jade egg. <laughs> you know that much. <laughs> I look uh, forward to the challenge when we do. I've already gone from like, oh, I would never to, I guess it's just what I do now. Yep. So that's just where we're at. So sorry. Uh, oh, so Naya looked back on her time as on Glee as mostly positive. Yes, there were issues with the alleged diva behavior of Leah Michelle, but she was, she said that overall, quote, we weren't just a bunch of actors playing a band of misfits on TV. We, were, we really were a band of misfits, and we were inseparable. Naya eventually started dating rapper Sean Anderson, a.k.a. Big Sean. Oh, yes. Uh, 
And I it think he all dated started... Ariana Grande too, didn't he? Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm getting ahead of you. I'm getting ahead of you. Big Sean and Naya started with a slide in the DMs, which is the most hip thing I've ever said. And now that has undone the hip thing that I've ever said. <laughs> um, one day in 2013, while bored on set, Naya tweeted something about a song of his. He responded by DMing her, saying he was a big fan of hers. He didn't watch Glee. Stop it. Yep. Uh, one thing led to another, and soon the couple was dating. They got engaged in 2013, but broke up in April 2014. Naya claims that it had to do with Big Sean cheating. Allegedly. With Ariana Grande. Ooh, Allegedly. Okay. That was a part in her book that I did laugh because it was like, I can't say the name, but it rhymes with Shmarianda Mande. Like it was, yeah, there was a lot of sass in that book. I'll tell you that. Uh, in 2010, Naya briefly dated and then split with an actor named Ryan Dorsey. And you know that if I mention an actor, I'm going to hit y'all with an IMDb side note. Thank you. Ryan Dorsey had minor roles in Parks and Rec, The Vampire Diaries, and The Mentalist. <laughs> and you know what else he was in? <laughs> the show that made Western sexy, Justified, starring Timothy <laughs> Oliphant. <laughs> and I, I swear I had no idea that Justified would come up as many times as it did. Um, I also apologize for saying that Westerns are sexy in any way. I'm underslept. <laughs> so Ryan and Naya allegedly split due to the fact that Ryan's own family said he was a playboy. Cut to four years later, Naya and Big Sean break up. So Naya and Ryan reunite and decide to get married in Cabo San Lucas, Me Mexico on Ryan's 31st birthday in July 2014 just two months after her split from Big Sean. But if they're happy, forget about the timeline. The couple welcomed their son, Josie Holliff Dorsey, on September 17th, 2015. Unfortunately, things kind of then started to take a downturn for the couple. During the Thanksgiving weekend of 2017, Naya and her husband, Ryan Dorsey, had a disagreement. The argument escalated and turned violent when Naya, who had been drinking allegedly physically attacked Ryan by striking him in the head and bottom lip. He called 911 and told the dispatcher, my wife is out of control. When police arrived on scene, Naya was arrested and charged with domestic battery. The charges, however, were dropped in January 2018. The pro prosecutor dropped the case after Ryan decided not to press charges. Weeks after the incident, Ryan filed for divorce. Naya had apparently filed in 2016 and then changed her mind in june 2018 their divorce was finalized and the couple agreed to joint custody of their four-year-old son josie on july 8th 2020 naya rented a pontoon boat with josie naya posted a photo on instagram of her and her son with the caption just the two of us three hours later when the boat wasn't returned on time the leasing agent went searching for it only to find the boat with josie asleep on board he was unharmed, but Naya was nowhere to be found. Josie later told authorities they were swimming together and that he made it back to the boat, but his mother did not. He told police that he had seen his mother, quote, disappear beneath the water, which is probably one of the most heart-wrenching things I maybe have ever heard. Uh, while Josie was wearing a life vest, 
Naya's vest was left on board. Local authorities launched a massive search and recovery operation, which included side-scanning sonar, divers, sniffer dogs, helicopters, and remote-operated submarine vehicles equipped with cameras. On July 13th, six days after the search began, Naya's body was found. She was 33. Police announced that there was no indication of foul play or that Naya had taken her own life. Her death was determined to be an accidental drowning. But can we just talk about the fact that her, she was found on the exact seven-year anniversary of Corey Monteith's death? What are the odds of that? That's wild. Yeah, I think that's why everyone is like, oh, there is something there because of the, the, the timing is just something else. Uh, Ryan Dorsey filed a wrongful death suit uh, on behalf of Naya's estate against the Venturi County authorities and Parks Management Company, who rented the boat to Naya. The suit alleges that swimmers were not adequately warned about the risks of swimming there, as there were no warning signs alerting swimmers to potentially dangerous conditions, such as strong currents, low visibility, and changing water depths. It also alleges uh, that the boat that Naya rented was not equipped for with a safety accessible ladder, adequate rope, an anchor, a radio, or any security mechanisms to prevent swimmers from being separated from their boats. The suit also claims that the boat did not have any flotation devices. And the whole situation is not only tragic because she was so young, but because her son witnessed it. I can't even begin to imagine what was going on in his mind watching her, uh, but also real like realizing she's going under, um, like how terrified he was probably just sitting there looking around. It's like, he can't get back in the water. What's he going to do? And then the fear she must've felt seeing her son and knowing she's going down and being like, and then he's just left there. Uh, especially when Naya had said in her book, quote, Josie is my greatest success. I will never do any better than him. Uh, when the idea of a Glee episode was first brought up, I thought, you know, uh, there's only the three. I don't think we'll be able to do for three hours because that's just our thing. That's just what we do now. <laughs> yep. um, and then I started to Google. And next thing I know, there's over 10. And that was the moment I started to push for this episode. And when I say push... I mean, I casually mentioned it and Lauren just said yes because she spoils me and gives me whatever I want. She's like the cool parent if my parents had divorced and I choose to go with her because she get <laughs> She like is like, it's Saturday morning. You want ice cream? And I'm like, what? Dad never lets me have ice cream. And she's like, well, you can have ice cream here whenever you want. And then I just live with mom all the time. Mm -hmm. Who are you kidding? I would choose you all the time anyway. Of course. Uh, and when the first Glee, when Glee first aired, I was watching it every week when it came out. I was really taken with it. I'm a sucker for a musical mashup. And if I find a video on YouTube that claims to be the best compilation of Glee performances, I'm going to watch it every time. They always claim to be the best and they're always like half an hour and there goes my day. Uh, and I will admit, yes, I did quit watching the show a few seasons in. Life got busy, and honestly, the show didn't stay the same caliber. Don't come for me. Uh, 
even the majority of the cast has said the death of Corey Monteith was the beginning of the end of the series. And honestly, I didn't have a ton of time this week to do my notes, <laughs> so I don't have a nice write-up that ends it beautifully, that segues beautifully to us discussing our thoughts and theories. All I have to say is this. One of my favorite performances has always been Naya Rivera's character Santana singing Valerie by Amy Winehouse. I also love the dresses that they're wearing in that performance. Um, and for those who want to know but are too afraid to ask, uh, Blanche's favorites were Corey Monteith, Harry Shum Jr., and Cord Overstreet. Uh, reporting for True Crime and Cocktails, I'm a shell of a human. <laughs> <laughs> you did great. <laughs> swear, swear she's at. Swear she's at. Listen, I have a few things to say. First of all, fabulous work as always. Second of all, here's the interesting thing to think about. Lot, okay, I shouldn't preface this by saying lots of shows run for six seasons because nowadays lots of shows don't run for six seasons. However, right. however in the grand scheme of television history, there is yeah. a rich amount of television shows that run for six seasons. It is rare to hear about a show that has this much drama surrounding it. And I use the term drama, I'm not trying to be glib, I'm just using that for lack of a better term, because this show, again, sure. the scandals, the deaths, the legal troubles, the marriage troubles, all of the above, it's like, certainly a show could have a couple of those things and fly under the radar, of course that's true deaths of cast members deaths of even crew members no way if you are on a show that is of note in any way and you very sadly lose a crew member there's absolutely no way that that is going under the radar no way no how it's just it's just not um in terms of my experience working in this industry so I offer that just because I know people could could walk away from this going like, oh, yeah, but is that many deaths really that big a deal? It is. It, I, I can't stress this enough. Now, again, not to bring it back to myself to sound like a narcissist. I'm not. I have not. ADHD. We bring things back to our own experiences to try and help to show you that I understand what you're experiencing. I'm learning. I've done this my whole life, but I'm learning about it now. But the point is, is that I will offer, I was on a show for six years. And yes. in those six years, we did very sadly lose a castmate who was Linda Porter, who played Myrtle, who yes. was hilarious and fantastic and phenomenal. But that is where it ends. I don't know of any other deaths, and I would know. I don't know of any other public legal marriage scandals, anything else under that umbrella. Now, I recognize that our show has only been off the air for around a year, less than a year. I get that, but my I, I use that as an example only to really illustrate that this show has so much surrounding it. And I get that it was very big. I get that it was, you know, a phenomenon, a juggernaut, whatever word you want to use. But it really does feel so interesting to me that there was especially so much death surrounding it. It's, first yeah. of all, extremely sad. But 
ADs and PAs. I wanted to talk to that. Uh, talk about that for a minute too, as somebody obviously who uh, again works in this world. ADs, assistant directors, you're with them every day. PAs as well. You're with them every day. So to lose an AD, to lose a PA, it's a it's a huge deal. Like I I hate change, and so mm-hmm. our AD team and PA team knew that. So if someone was going to be away at any point during the filming of Superstore, they would always come to me ahead of time and be like, Lauren, just so you know, someone's going to be away. And I would be so grateful because I was like, thank you. And listen, not that I would be like a monster or something if I showed up one morning and my normal people weren't there. But it was more just that I love everybody so much that then I was like, I just want to know if you're not going to be here because I don't like I don't like my routine being disrupted. Again, I have mental disorders that I've been diagnosed with. I'm doing great. But my point is, um, people were always very kind. Uh, It was always also a very endearing, cute thing that we would always do. I illustrate this again only to offer that if, if we lost an AD or we lost a PA who had been with us even only a season, it would be... I mean, it it would be huge. Like this, this, this is not just like, oh, it's you know somebody who works in accounting that I've never met before or what have you. Like that is a integral role to making a television show. So when we're talking about multiple actors, multiple people connected to creating a show all passing within this time within you know a relatively short time frame all connected yeah listen again i'm not going to go to the richard ramirez place don't worry i'm not going to go into astral projection territory i'm not going batshit of course but i only offer this as like and i'm not saying like do i think it was cursed do i think that's whatever i don't know i don't know if that's what it is do i think it was under a larger microscope than other shows of course but I just think that this defies that a little bit because, again, death is so extreme. And, again, I use, I use my show only as the example that, it, that having this many deaths, having six deaths, I think we counted. I think you counted, if that's correct. Yeah. Connected to the show in, in a relatively short amount of time. I know it was a little bit of a longer amount of time than, than we've had around Superstore, but still, that's extreme. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Six people out of, you know, 150, 170 are usually the amount working on a TV show at any given time. Um, it just feels so significant. And it's all so fascinating and sad because it's all so different. Corey's death versus Mark's death versus Naya's death. Again, all very different tones, different feelings. These all bring up different things for all of us, right? Um, And then when you start to bring in the other things, do I think personally, and I'm going to go there, do I think it's possible? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Someone saw someone else becoming successful and wanted to call upon the dark arts. I don't think that's impossible. Are you 
suggesting someone on the show who was being outshone or someone outside of the show I am suggesting who was trying to compete someone outside of the show oh well now I'm like crap well what shows were starting around I don't even think that we could necessarily ever mm. start to break it down but this was Ryan Murphy's first big thing right yeah again I'm speculating I'm I'm making a complete, I'm pulling this out of nowhere. But let's just say Ryan Murphy, who had been around the block, he'd been, he wasn't 18 when he created this show. He had lived a life at this point. Potentially there would be, there would be people who would be jealous. There would be people who would be, you know, whatever, upset, blah, 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 whatever, that he was having this opportunity. Which sure. is unfortunate and more of a, of, of course, a reflection on that person than his success. But what I'm saying is, is it possible in the grand scheme of anything being possible? And I know I said I wasn't going to go batshit, but here I am. Is it possible in the grand scheme of mm-hmm. anything being possible? Is it possible that somebody could have put a hex, cast a spell, those kinds of things? Now, I understand you have to believe in those things in order for you to go down this road with me. I Do I believe that those things are true? I believe that they could be true. I believe in energies. And do I believe that people could be powerful sure. enough to manipulate energies? Sure, sure I do. Because what would make sense to me is somebody who's like jealous, for example, again, I'm choosing this randomly, but for example, of Ryan yeah. Murphy's success. And they're like, sure. oh, I'm so pissed that this person has this success, I'm going to cast a spell or I'm going to put a hex or whatever. But then it blows up in that person's face. And what ends up happening is, right, like a Twilight Zone episode where sure. it's like, yeah, yeah. you just don't want the show to succeed. But then the show succeeds anyway. And what ends up happening is, of course, this domino effect of this wildfire of destruction and death and terrible things and does this other person who is out there and if you're listening you know I'm talking to you um <laughs> do they hold great regret but you know what I'm saying listen we're talking about in a, about in yeah. a world where any theory could ever be possible right well I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step what if it's someone who auditioned for the show and didn't get it and feels snubbed by not getting in and I'm going to take that a step for, further and say, stage mom, stage dad. Oh, a stage mom? A hundred percent. They are next level. I want to recommend. Not a, all are negative. Of course. But I want to recommend a documentary right now. It's called Camp yeah. Hollywood. Okay. No, it's not called Camp Hollywood. What am I doing? I love. I don't I've, know. I've, but I'm into the booze. It's called The Hollywood Complex. For anybody listening. This is a documentary I cannot recommend enough. It is it is a little bit older right now. But it focuses on this one kind of hotelish property. Some would say a apartment complex, short-term, long-term rentals in LA um, that primarily caters to families who bring their kids for pilot season. Pilot season, of course, being Oof. traditionally when you audition for TV shows. Now again currently 2021 things are a little bit different it's neither here nor there the documentary is still very compelling because you get to meet these children meet their parents 
who are the people that uprooted their lives to help their children follow these dreams? Are these children right. who have these dreams or are these parents who oh. have these dreams? Um, Spencer and I literally watched it twice within a couple of weeks and I had already watched it probably four or five times in my life prior to that. There are characters in it that are just delicious. Um, I can't stress this enough. It is such a good watch if you can find it. It's hard to find. I think it's on Apple TV. But anyway, long story short, my point being is when you get to kind of get immersed into this world and see how, and I say this with love, how some families will sacrifice anything and everything to try and get their children ahead. And I'm speaking about this because Glee was, of course, dealing with teens when casting. And, of course, we know Corey, for example, had to go to, like, a, a giant casting and stuff like that. When you're dealing with that, emotions are running high. These families in this documentary I'm referring to, they're spending tens of thousands of dollars to try and live in L.A. and get their kids to auditions and the pressure is so immense. Could I see somebody turning to the dark arts, turning to a witch? I know it sounds cuckoo bananas batshit, but what I'm saying is I could. I honestly could. And do I think that then again, like I've previously stated, it could blow up in that person's face where they're like, oh my gosh, the show didn't fail but we've had six deaths connected with that show and all of this other chaos, all of this drama, all of these terrible things. I'm just saying it would not shock me. I, first of all, as as a Hufflepuff, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I don't think I've used yet, yeah, but- um, nothing gives me as much joy than to hear you use the term the dark arts. Thank you. Um, that, gosh, that gives me life. Um, look, you always have a gift for, uh, think you think outside the box. Have I seen enough Supernatural that I'm like, oh, there's a hex bag. I mean, you never know. There is something about energies and you can feel it um i love that no example is coming to my mind but if you're in a moment and you have that moment where you just don't feel right and something's not right you just you trust your gut it's your gut instinct yes you feel a shift in energy because there is something and i don't know what it is um so i totally believe that there's something about energies and who knows? I mean, I don't know. It's just, again, I'm happy to hear you say that it's weird because, yes, this is this is a lot of things. It's a lot of stuff to have happen to people, like, all in one. But now what's happened is it's given me this disgusting goal of, like, well, what, what's another show I can find this on? Like, what's my problem? I love that. I love that so much. I can't be stopped. And I mean, the other thing, too, I'm going to offer one more thing, and then I know we need to wrap it up. I'm going to offer one more thing. Sure. And I only say this, and I hope no one quotes me on it, because I've, I'm into the drink. But. 
because it's so sad. And I, I am not, I don't want to be glib when I talk about people lose, losing their lives. I'm not being that. I do no. be- personally believe in negative energies and dark energies legitimately. Again, if you haven't listened to the Elisa Lamb episode of this show, I refer people back to that one all the time because I'm like, trust me, if you think that I'm being like glib or flippant, I'm not. Um, no. I, I do truly believe that demons and powers and evil all I believe that all that mm-hmm. stuff exists here's another thing I throw this out as a theory I'm not putting any energy behind it myself however what if Ryan Murphy had to sign a deal crossroad demon I mean in their first season golden globe sag award I mean, right? Because guess who's continued to be successful with everything he touches since? Him. But guess... Oh my God, have there been anything on any of his other shows? I don't think so. But guess who's going to find out? You. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like, was it one of those things where it's like, I will do anything to get this show made. I will do anything to... And listen, again, for those who are listening who are like, you're losing it. I'm not suggesting that that means that you're like calling upon Satan. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. I'm saying, is it in, who knows? Is it in whatever is happening? I sage myself. I sage this house. I I talk to spirits. Like, uh, that's what I do. Like, I'm so paranoid about that stuff. Is it possible to me that somebody who was extremely ambitious, that had these grand, huge, amazing plans, could inadvertently invite in a negativity that could allow you to reach the highest of highs, but at a huge cost? I do believe that's true. I believe that's completely possible. Sure. The only question that I have for you. Please. Like, is it literally just sage? Is it sage mixed with other stuff? Do you, like, put this together yourself? Do you have someone come and do it? Do you have a sage person? I guess that's... I have not hired someone to sage. I have only ever purchased sage bundles that have been pre-made. Oh, okay. But can I tell you a very quick thing before we go? Yes. I'm not going to name the person by name. However, you will know who I'm talking about. Hmm. If I have ever shared a space with another person. Sure. Never a woman. A romantic person who it doesn't work out with. I will purchase sage bundles and I will sage the house. I will purchase other candles, etc. It's a much longer story I can get into if people want me to. I can make YouTube videos or whatever. We can get into that, but whatever. Here is what I will say. I went through a particularly bad, bad, bad breakup um, Mm -hmm. with the one who we have the nickname for. You came up with the nickname Uh. for. (laughs) Okay. I like it specifies if it was my nickname. Yep. Then it specifies for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I do. Here's the thing. A sage bundle is is usually about like this big around, okay? Like two inches in diameter. It's it's bound in like a kind of like an elastic thread thing. 
Um, I've used them many times. You kind of burn the end. You do a whole thing. You say a mantra. There's a whole thing. Again, I can get into this in a bigger way. I don't know a lot about it, but I'm happy to educate as best I can or point people in that direction. However, it always is just like you do it, in my experience, you do it until it's done. Like you, 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 you light it and then it kind of smokes and you do it. You go around the whole house until it's done. When I was sure. doing it after that person, mm-hmm. I was going around the house. I was going around the house as I've done a million times in other places and in that place as well. Never had an issue. I started to go over his side of the bed and it went out. Went out. Completely went out. Like extinguished. No smoke, no nothing, went out. Interesting. And that was a moment for me where I was like, energy is real. And whether you want to believe in the demons and the angels and of of it all, that's up to you. A hundred percent. But energy, I believe, is real. And that was proof to me because I've done it a million times. I've never had one go out. And of course, people can school me and say, here's why. And maybe there was whatever. Mm-mm-mm. That person was extremely toxic, extremely abusive. And I believe wholeheartedly that it was, that that's what happened. So to again, yeah. my point is, is that I'm not even necessarily saying that someone had to invoke some sort of grand <laughs> spirit or whatever. I'm just saying, sure. if perhaps... You were open to something you didn't realize. Is it possible you could have invited in that negativity? I think it is. And I think that that sure. happened. Speculating for true crime and cocktails, Lauren Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. Thank you. I mean, when we uh, when we had the brunch, uh, we were did our uh, one of our brunches yesterday over on Patreon. Yes. Um someone I think I still have my notes from brunch um Amanda uh said true crime and astral projection and my thought was well there's the next one yep that's the next podcast get ready because somehow we have to create our own network and be every show on on that network except for the the one show that we're just gonna turn into maybe a tiktok which is just us Seeing how far we can walk with jade eggs. <laughs> that will be the thing that makes us go viral. Just you watch. Uh, Christy yeah. Oxborough, your research is always unparalleled. Thank you so much for what you brought to this episode. Mm. It's truly just next level. Um, thank you, everyone who listened to this episode. We so appreciate all of you. If you haven't already, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at True Crime and Cocktails. You can also follow us on Twitter at Not Detectives. We're also on Patreon, as Chrissy referenced. Uh, it's a subscription service where you can sign up and get bonus episodes. You can take po- take part in bonus live Q&As with us. Um, Patreon.com slash True Crime and Cocktails to learn more about that. Um, also, uh, our website, TrueCrimeandCocktails.com. Anything else you need to know about us, it's all there for your disposal. Do you want to tell them about the next episode? Or do you want me to? Well, I thought you should because it's kind of your baby. You're right. On the next True Crime and Cocktails, Pro Wrestler China. Now I know what you're thinking. Wasn't it just an OD? Isn't that just an open and shut case? 
You're going to have to tune in and find out. Do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, people. Good night, everybody. Hello, listeners of True Crime and Cocktails. Are you ready for a creepy promo? My name is Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I am not a fan of true crime. Every week on our new podcast, Muriel's Murders, I handpick a real-life crime story that I think will blow Nick's mind. Muriel is really enthusiastic about researching and telling me these stories, and boy, they are a lot. Some of them are famous. Some of them are weirdly under the radar, but all of them contain crime, violence, and murder from across history and around the globe. How does that make you feel, Nikki? Nervous. Are you ready to hear a story? No. Too bad. Here comes Muriel's Murders. Join us every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the original Muriel's Murders animations on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok at Muriel's Murders. Campfire.